on today's episode of Mile Higher. We have two guests joining us, Peyton and Garrett from Murder With My Husband. Hi, everyone. Mysterious murder case in Aspen, the first murder there in 12 years. Why is Nancy S. already speculating that Nancy killed herself? I need you to tell me exactly what happened. My friend is in her closet, dead. She disrespected me like no other person has ever done. Oh, that was the wrong reaction. He must be guilty. You get bad landlords all the time. You don't go off and kill them. When he saw Nancy just peacefully sleeping there, something just flipped in him. My mom could never hurt anything or hurt anyone. Like, I just think there is no way he could have done that alone. He also wrote, be careful what you ask for. You may get more than you expect. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 252. And today is a very special episode because we have two guests joining us. And this is the collab that almost didn't happen. The universe almost said no. Yes. Never going to happen. We will explain why. But welcome to the studio, Peyton and Garrett from Murder With My Husband. Hi, everyone. We are so excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, this has been... God, how long have we tried to do this? Oh, I, almost a year. Almost a year. I think yeah, over it a was. year. Last March, I was actually just we looking pre- out is pregnant. when we first yep. flew out. Oh, was it March? Yeah, I think it was March. Almost positive. No, I think it was... Maybe not. Was well, it? it was when your grandma died. So that was like June. I think it was June. Oh, dang. And then the that's last crazy. time you were supposed to come was this last oh, March. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. last that's, March. That's what there we go. Okay, that makes sense. So, Everything's yeah. a blur. Yeah, it is yeah. all a blur. But we're here. Yes, finally. We're finally. super excited. We were like, will we actually make it into the seats? Though? I don't I, know. I just know that, that we're gonna be done and it's not gonna have recorded like all of those. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Everyone knock on wood. Get Peyton out of here. <laughs> oh god. Yes, we are so excited to have you guys here to explain the first time that we had them out. They came all the way to Colorado. Janelle was sick. I was having blood pressure issues that first day. Maybe we were yep. supposed to record. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I, I can't. I was like eight months pregnant yeah. at that point, maybe seven. And then they literally came to the office. We're sitting around our conference table talking about the episode and what we were going to do. Getting, We were like 10 minutes out from sitting down to record. Yeah, we were literally about to head back to the studio to start. Yeah. And then Josh got a call from his mom that his his grandma passed away that morning. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, obviously, I mean, you guys were so understanding. Oh, yeah. But Family is the most important. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. And just like we thought like maybe you can try to pull it together. But I mean, we were yeah. both just devastated. We we love Josh's grandma so much. And it well, was it's really just emotional. like I want to make sure that I mean, you guys are this is the best collab we can yeah. do. Right. Yeah. Like right. It, in yeah. dealing with the death of a loved one, it doesn't put you in the best headspace. And then yeah. obviously to go do true crime after that doesn't help either. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So it's just like, you know, I felt really bad because obviously you guys are already out here. And I was like, oh, man, this is really unfortunate timing. But yeah, yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, life happens and mm-hmm. you just got to kind of go with it. But we really appreciate you guys yeah. making the trek back out here yeah. Yeah. third time. And yeah. it's second actually time. Second, second time. Second time was our fault. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Second time. <laughs> second time was our fault. We got a puppy and... That was, I guess, a bad idea. I don't know. We were like, we had trained her in her little air, 
airport bag carrier. And then we got to the airport and she wasn't trained. All training no. went out she the window. <laughs> she lost it. I don't blame her. I yeah. mean, airports are intense <laughs> no, for humans. Yeah. And it was just more important that she be okay. So we were like, hey, yeah. we're rescheduling again. Yep. yep. So here we finally are. Third time's Third time. the charm, yep. right? We are so excited to have them here today. So can you guys kind of tell everyone yeah. who isn't familiar with you, which I know a lot of our audience already, you know, watch Garrett and Peyton. So you yep. guys have Who a couple is murder of with shows. my husband? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you can go. So back in 2020, I really wanted to start a true crime podcast, had no one to start it with. My husband Garrett was like, I'll be your co-host. And I said, that is not going to work. You hate true crime. We never <laughs> talk about true crime. He said, maybe that can be the thing. You love it and I hate it. And that was where murder with my husband was born. I love true crime. He hates true crime, so you kind of get two different perspectives with one story. I sit down, I tell Garrett a different story every week. He has no idea. No idea. I think that's the biggest question is, do you know what's going on? I have no idea what's going on. No idea. When <laughs> I sit down no in the prep, chair. No prep, no nothing. No prep. Just oh, completely nice. raw Just, reactions. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Wow. Which is kind of fun. We've noticed with... Um, you know, listeners in the audience, he's in the same boat as you guys because you guys didn't do any prep before sitting down and listening. And so that's fun because he kind of kind of takes on the role of the listener, which then leads to better questions being asked and whatnot. Yeah, honestly, it's so unique. I don't think there's anyone else doing yeah, it like it's, that. It's it's fun. And I mean, it's fun for me because I don't have to do the research. So that's yeah. fun. But it's <laughs> just, a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's fun. We We love it. And here we are three years later. Are you so, liking true crime a little bit more now? So like, we get that question so much. And is it growing? On it's, you? Yeah, it's hard to like answer. It's like, I like true crime. Okay, sorry. I don't like true crime, but I understand it. I think that's the better way to you put it. You have a it. better appreciation mm -hmm. and exactly. understanding for people in true crime. I when, think before it was like, this is like, why would someone listen to this? This is, I don't understand it. This is stupid. Now I totally get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes yeah. way more sense. He used to be yeah. a judger. Now yes. he's now he understands us all. Yeah. So you it's get really the intrigue stuff. behind why people yes. are interested in learning about crimes that happen to other people. Yep. And also the importance of talking about true crime. hundred percent. Right? Mm -hmm. It's actually I think that's the biggest thing, too, is it's actually really important. It so is. much of this just goes untalked about or unnoticed. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of start to understand the idea of why people do talk about it. And well, it's what we're really doing as a true crime podcast is almost a service to the public in a way, because yep. a lot of times, many of the cases that we cover, you guys cover, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of necessarily media coverage on it. And yep. a lot of times these cases need awareness and need mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. heard by more people like the families are literally begging for people to talk about their loved ones. And there's just case, so and there's, many out there. Sad. Right. Yeah. And there's not enough people talking about it to keep it in the news and keep law enforcement on on it and mm -hmm. things like that. So this is a, actually, I feel like it's a very important job to yeah. do. And you, you can't take it lightly because obviously, you know, true crime is serious stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. You're talking about people's worst days and probably some of the most tragic things that happen in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, you got to tread carefully with it. But right. I think yeah. if you do it right, which I think you guys do it right. Appreciate it. And you can really make an impact beyond just sort of, you know, like most people kind of, you know, maybe where you're at, it's kind of like, oh, it's just this weird entertainment uh -huh. thing. You know, yeah. you guys are, yeah. it's kind of, you know, are you guys sick? Like, yeah, kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, no, it's with true. Stuff. And I, and I get it because a lot of people just understand it from this outside perspective and they haven't really dove in to really see yeah. what's going on beneath the surface and and obviously too like we're all kind of biased based on what we see on tv right yeah because mm -hmm. you we all grow up with like 
Dateline 2020 yeah. and it's all you know yeah. like they do some good stuff but it's also corny as hell like yeah. most of the time and like, it not only is it corny it's oftentimes really disrespectful we've yeah. met so many family members out there who have had really bad experiences working with tv productions that right. they're salacious they don't focus on the victims they leave out important details they don't have enough control and it's cool that now true crime is more in the hands of the average person and instead of you know the mainstream news doesn't really talk about true crime unless it's some big case that happens to get enough publicity. Um, that often but, has some sort of shock and awe element to it that right. drives ratings. Like right. Gabby Petito, for example, right? right? Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Um, versus, you know, local news stations will cover some crimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still could do a, a much better job, but they're only reaching people locally. And oftentimes these family families need much more support than that. And so for us to be able to reach a nation or worldwide audience, I think really helps. So it's it's definitely something that people who don't get true crime are like, yeah, why why are you doing this? Why are you so interested in this? But I mean, it really does help so many families to just get things off the ground. Awareness is absolutely key. And you have honoring the victim. Mm-hmm. I mean, oftentimes these people, you know, get murdered and then no one thinks about them again. Yep. And I think for me, um, just even if it's a day of thousands of people thinking about one person and remembering yeah. them for who they are, I think that that speaks volumes. Yeah. And I think that that's another great part of true crime now. I completely agree. And so often the average person will t- be able to name the killer in a case. Yep. And they can't remember the actual victim's names right. or they don't care to learn. And yeah, so, you know, we've really tried to focus our content. I know you guys do the same on really telling these people's story. They're they're real people. It shouldn't be for entertainment. Obviously, people find it interesting and are entertained by it. But there's mm-hmm. a bigger mission. And it's a very fulfilling job doing true oh, crime podcasts 100% and agree. content. So, yeah. So where can people find you guys? So you can find us, I mean, anywhere at Murder With My Husband, Instagram. I'm sure there'll be a description below as well or a link in the description below as well. Yes, definitely. But it's at Murder With My Husband. That'll pop up and it'll have some of our other shows as well. And everything will be there. We have another show called Binged, which is just me. And I do um, a mini series type show where I take real estate agents who have killed. I cover a couple cases different episodes and oh, then we move cool. on to a new a new theme um so that's binged and then we also have our rising crime show that's brand new and that one is covering all things true crime news so you don't have to scroll your tiktok for you page anymore looking mm-hmm. for the next update you can just go to rising crime and get it there and you can find murder with my husband on youtube spotify apple just kind of everywhere I'm yeah awesome. a lot of times you guys are like Within a few shows of us on on the range, yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, I'll go we're and buddies. check, and we'll, we're we always kind of hanging yeah. out. Like the <laughs> suggested shows too. It'll say like yeah. Ma higher and yeah. everything, or Murder yeah. with My Husband. Yeah, we just went out to brunch before this, and we were discussing how we think we probably have a lot of crossover since our shows are similar in the fact that we are a husband and wife duo yep. doing true crime, which is so cool. Or, that yeah. There's another husband and wife. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I'm sure many. there's others. Yeah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I, I, know I don't think there's anybody else. We're in. Yeah, we're. <laughs> only us. Don't go looking. Yeah. Don't, yeah. <laughs> Don't get any ideas out there, people. There's, there's only room for two shows. It <laughs> won't work. That's funny. But so, I think it's a cool perspective because I think, especially in certain cases where there's you know love triangles like today's episode, there's there's some of those elements there, and just as a husband and wife, it's you kind of bring a, a unique mm-hmm. perspective to some of this, and it's a very relatable perspective most of the times for the audience, right? Right. Yep. 
Uh-huh. So it's like, I, I think it's kind of a cool thing to, you know, be able to share. It's fun thing to share together, yeah. obviously. Oh, for sure. We and... could do a whole nother episode about working with your spouse and <laughs> oh, totally. how that is and, you know, in the good parts about it as well, yeah. too. Yeah. And those parts that you just want to forget yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those episodes where you're like, oh, man, I'm not sure yeah. was, this was a good idea. Yeah. No. <laughs> and no one sees anything because you cut everything out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We've gotten better about that. Back in the day, Josh and I sometimes would go at it. Oh, mid-recording, yeah. you have to edit it all out, and Janelle would get to hear it all. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. Janelle's back this week, yes. you guys, by the oh, way. yes. Hello, I'm back. Janelle's The back. Mile Higher Plague. Oh, yeah. We seriously did have a Mile Higher Plague. Like, everyone in our office went down at one point last week, Ugh. other than us. And Julia. Julia, you made it through, too. Shout out. Yeah, Julia's I did here. <laughs> Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate being sick, so. Yeah, who doesn't? Ugh. And it was, like, a bad situation. Like, everyone had strep and chest Ugh. infections, and, like, it was absolutely chaotic but anyway so today's episode is going to be a little different obviously because we've never done we've obviously had guests on the show but we've never had another podcast collaborating with us yeah so we're kind of taking the uh, murder with my husband style here where you guys are somewhat familiar with the case we're covering today yep. but for the most part we're going to be kind of teaching you about it yep. and then we are going to be um, on their show, which actually already came out by the time you're seeing this. Your mm-hmm. guys' show releases Monday, right? Correct, yep. yep. So you can go and check that out right after this. And Josh and I are going to do an episode with them where they are kind of, we're switching roles and they will mm-hmm. be explaining the case yeah, be, to us. Yeah. We are doing something today that we have never done on this show. And we have two special people here, Kendall and Josh from Mile Higher Podcast. Howdy people. What's up? (laughs) Today, we are discussing the disappearance of Matthew Levison, who happened to disappear during a night of partying. Interesting. So let's get into it. It appears that no one other than Michael has seen Matthew since early Sunday morning at the club when he walked out. Is there anything you can say about that? Don't think so. The nerve of this guy. He doesn't care about his life at all. He's yep. disposable to him. Police watch the video, and who do you think they find on camera purchasing the duct tape and the matic? Michael. So that is some seriously solid evidence right there. I would agree. What an evil person. Right. Mind-blowing. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of any no. case that's like that's this. That's done that, no. We're recording that one tomorrow yep. which is all very confusing yeah, since this already yeah. Yeah. but i'm very mm-hmm. i, I kind of like this format because it allows you also time to really think about process like, everything process it because sometimes when you're actually telling a story it's hard to also have your own thoughts yep. yeah. at the yeah. same time because you're trying to get all this information out while also trying to infuse your own personal thoughts sure. but to be able to kind of sit back mm-hmm. and like just digest it yeah i'm interested to see yeah that's yeah. gonna be a really cool experience for me. I've never yeah. done anything. I was gonna like say that. this is the first time I've never not told a story. Yeah. So I'll I'm interested because I've never even thought that. But you're right. I've never had my own personal thoughts because I've already wrote them all in a script. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. it'll be interesting to have those thoughts come up while you're talking. Yeah. There we go. I'm actually curious to hear kind of your thoughts. That will be interesting. Yeah. Because usually you just tell me the story. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. So well, we got major groundbreaking content yeah. going yes. on here <laughs> you guys you guys are going Buckle to in. love it <laughs> it's either going to be really good or, or we're going to delete the episode <laughs> <laughs> or it never goes up yeah <laughs> but anyway today we are going to be talking about a very shocking case out of aspen colorado 
Josh and I love to cover Colorado cases just because we're like familiar with the locations. Do you guys ever cover cases from places? Oh, where, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. We um we originally started in Utah and we've covered many Utah cases. And then I'm from Idaho and we've covered our own our, a, bunch. a good share of Idaho cases as well. There's always something about it. Even when you've traveled to the place where it takes place, where you kind of can get an idea in your head yeah. of where all this is happening. But we are going to be talking about 57-year-old Nancy Fister, who was a very free-spirited socialite living in the luxury ski town of Aspen, who loved to travel and party. And eventually she met Nancy, another Nancy, which we'll explain could get a little confusing. We'll try to keep that as simple as possible for you guys. And her husband, Trey Styler, who were kind of a down-on-their-luck couple out of Denver looking to start fresh in Aspen. And she thought that meeting them was perfect and good karma. But four months after they moved into her mountain home, she was found bludgeoned to death in her bedroom. And so we're going to be discussing who really killed Nancy Fister and if multiple people could have been involved. So Nancy Merle Fister was born July 4th, 1956 in Orofino, Idaho to her parents, Betty Haas Fister and Art Fister. She also had two sisters, Suzanne and Christina. Her mother was a World War II pilot and a total badass. Yeah. She was actually one of the first women to fly on a wasp. Her father made his money off of land in Aspen that he bought in the 40s, which Aspen, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. That's an expensive area. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the richy rich area of Colorado. Um, So he founded Aspen's Buttermilk Ski Resort. And at the time, he only paid $30,000 for a 700-acre ranch. And then in 1958, he developed that land into Buttermilk Mountain. Is it still there? Buttermilk Mountain? Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's part of Aspen Snowmass. So it's a part of like the larger Aspen Ski Resort, I believe. Yeah. So as you can imagine, they made hella dough. Yeah, a lot of of money. It was a good choice. (laughs) Definitely. But both of her parents were very adventurous people, very outdoorsy sort of people. Her mom flew fighter jets, hot air balloons, and even a helicopter that she named Tinkerbell. And they were Aspen fixtures, royalty in town, as you could say. And Nancy grew up to be the same kind of person, adventurous, free-spirited, and one of Aspen's most iconic residents. I mean, with parents like that, you can yeah, easily can see yeah. why. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That's honestly really, really badass that her mom was a helicopter Mm -hmm. pilot and flew fighter jets. I feel like that was not a super prominent thing. No, for a woman. No way. Like that's super impressive. Really cool. But Nancy had lived a charmed life since she was a kid. She loved being outdoors. She was a mountain girl with a tomboyish side and a love for horseback riding. She was a socialite in Aspen, Colorado, a town that needs no introduction. If you've ever been there, it's, it, I'm trying to think of a best way to describe Aspen. It's like if you go to like Rodeo Drive and, uh-huh. nah. and uh, Beverly Hills and it's it's kind of like that. You know, there's designer stores everywhere. And, and obviously mm-hmm. it's changed over time. It used to be like a quaint mountain town and it grew. And, you know, that once they got an airport, of course, and, you know, everybody yeah. can fly in yeah. and go skiing and stuff. Um, so it got progressively more wealthy as time went on i feel like that's how most people are familiar with it that celebrities go there for their if you watch like keeping with the kardashians yeah Yeah. Yeah. socialites too were like the influencers before phones existed you know it's like those were the people with the paparazzi on them yeah i thought they called themselves oh yeah for sure (laughs) 
I've actually never been to lights. Aspen. Yeah. Did you know that? Have you ever been to Aspen? Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to Aspen. Oh, it's we too expensive. Go. I haven't been either. I haven't either. Yeah, mm-hmm. my family could never so, afford it. So you don't stay in Aspen. You oh, go. So you there's. Visit. Yeah, so you can stay in Basalt, yeah. which you is stay just outside in Carbondale. of it. Carbondale. Carbondale. <laughs> We've yeah. been to Carbondale. Love yeah. Carbondale. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you go get a hotel there, it's like super duper oh, expensive. Yeah. Okay, like it's crazy. Five hundred like a night times minimum, five, yeah. probably or more, maybe like a thousand a night. That's minimum. crazy. Mm-hmm. But then you can stay outside. Like there's Airbnbs now, obviously outside yeah. of town, and then you yeah. can drive in and enjoy. The and most people that work there live drive out. In. Yeah, they don't. They can't afford to live in town. So because mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's like there's like a downtown area, but then it's just like massive homes like yeah. on sprawling acreage all around it and okay tons of famous people have actors musicians i mean there's a huge long list of rich people that own property up there mm-hmm. it's cool to just go up there and drive uh-huh. around and like look at houses and stuff like that it's, yeah we should do that it's sometime. beautiful up there too especially in the it fall. must be kind of like jackson wyoming in a way yeah a little bit yeah. Yeah. okay similar to like jackson Hole. okay yeah I'm she, thinking she's pretty close to jackson an hour and a half or so or like um park city Almost. Oh, Utah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Super expensive up there. Becoming there. Mm-hmm, yeah. like Aspen for it sure. It is definitely getting more and more expensive every year. Yep, yep. It's very fancy. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't afford to go up. I mean, maybe eat at dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not not the designer shopping. That's yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just going off the whole bougie vibe of Aspen. I mean, we're not kidding. The average house cost I looked it up is almost three million dollars right now. It's <laughs> Average. 2.9. That's insane. Right under Average. three. And it's not that big of a town. There's like a little less than 7,000 people living there. But Jeez. there's a lot of money in there. Yeah. It's and a lot of vacation homes too. Nancy's? That's why the population's lower. Is like It's a lot of like people's second homes yeah. and things like that. There's not like a bustling locals scene. Yeah. You know yeah. 7,000 rich people just all in one area. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to think like. If you Crazy. own a house in Aspen and you're yes. not even, so, oh, it's my summer home, my $3 million summer home, you yeah. know, where, <laughs> yeah. do, where do you live full time? Yeah. yeah, for real. Probably and, in a $20 million home in yeah. California. Calabasas. Yeah, Calabasas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wasn't Nancy's home, we looked it up last night, it was like $12 million. Yeah, and it's for sale. <gasps> oh, it's for sale now? Oh. And, and got the for money, $12 million, bucks, like... It's that's not that nice of a house. No, honestly. Yeah. it's like it's not what you would be thinking for a twelve million. You're paying for the the land yep. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think her property has like thirty acres or something too. Okay. So thirty acres in oh. Aspen is going to be like yeah. that's like five million by itself probably right. for the land, and then the house is it's it's decent, but it's not anything to write home about. But Nancy Fister was Aspen. Like everybody knew who she was whenever she went out. Like she was the talk of the town. And obviously, like we've been talking about, Aspen is the haven for the rich. Celebrities, politicians, even princes. And of course, the wow. fabulously wealthy all go to Aspen to ski during the winter. It's like the spot. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go skiing there, it will cost you your soul because it is very expensive <laughs> to ski there. The town knows no recession. The streets are lined with designer clothing stores and five-star restaurants. A week-long stay at a luxe hotel penthouse Downtown costs about as much as the average American's yearly salary. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. For a penthouse. That's just how much money is there. But back in the 1970s when Nancy was growing up, it was more of a town for the wild and free. It was a place people could move to reinvent themselves. This was the Aspen that Nancy knew and loved. And she really embodied both of those Aspens. The free living, free loving town it was and the luxurious town that it is today. So like she liked it at the beginning and liked it as it evolved. Nancy's favorite place to hang out in Aspen was the Hotel Jerome's famous J-Bar. 
It's long been a place for the rich and famous. Notably, this is where the legendary journalist Hunter S. Thompson set up shop for his Aspen Sheriff campaign. And he and Nancy actually partied together. Nancy had always been sort of a hippie, so she fell in love with that crowd of Aspenites pretty naturally. Nancy hung out and partied with plenty of famous people, including rock stars, movie stars, pro skiers, and even the Kennedys. Aspenites. That's hilarious. Of course, of course, of course they have a name. she partied with the Kennedys. Right? <laughs> the Kennedys, too. That's true. <laughs> Believe it or not, she dated actors Jack Nicholson wow. and Michael Douglas, who really sort of like introduced her to this bigger world of Aspenites. And at one point, she and Michael Douglas were actually engaged, but Nancy was a free spirit. She had a lot of boyfriends, and she was a heartbreaker for sure. Which, by the way, her and Jack Nicholson met when she was a teenager, but he was in his 30s. Do you, which is do you know how old she odd. was? Like 13, 16? Well, she must have been like She's in the teens. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It doesn't matter either way. It's all if the it teens. If it ends in teens, she's too young yeah. for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So Nancy never really settled down long, both physically and in some ways mentally. At age 29, she gave birth to her daughter named Juliana. And the father was an Argentinian polo player who Nancy never intended to marry. And Nancy made Hunter S. Thompson her godfather. Is he famous? I don't know who that that is. I was going to say. So, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson, he's kind of before our time, I think, a little bit. I had to look him up, too, but. Have you guys seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? No. It's like a really famous like drug movie. It's based on his book. He's like a gonzo journalist. Really mm. Famous kind of for his his style of journalism and his like insane wildlife and mm. you know. He rose to prominence because he did a publication on Hell's Angels. Um, oh, okay. The motorcycle, mm. I guess, mm. gang group. Yep, group. Uh-huh. Um and I guess that was cool stuff back then so she knows i mean she knows everybody yeah, yeah. so that's such a bougie thing to yeah. have like a famous godfather for yeah. like randomly hunter totally, thompson you yeah. know him right i'm gonna, like, I'm gonna make you our baby's god, god godmother <laughs> really? have a bougie godmother oh, I'd be honored. <laughs> mile high i'll be the godmother <laughs> no baby on the way though right no no, no baby <laughs> good Take i guess i guess you never know but yeah. as far as we know no baby, no baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Nancy loved being a mom and she took Juliana everywhere with her on her travels all over the world. And she raised her daughter in a log home in Aspen built by her father in 1991. And she even served as Roaring Fork Schools District PTA. And when she did it off to the next far flung place on the other side of the globe, she left Juliana in the care of relatives and friends. But Nancy never really settled down in a specific place or with a specific man. But Aspen was always her home base. Many of its conservative, well-to-do citizens did not approve of Nancy Pfister's lifestyle. However, she was a social butterfly who could still get along with everyone, whether it was Aspen's wealthy townspeople, celebrities, ski bums, or waiters. People found her to be charming and magnetic. But just because Nancy was known by everyone in Aspen didn't mean that she was liked by everyone. Mm -hmm. Nancy knew how to party, no doubt, but sometimes her behavior definitely got her in trouble. Yeah, and it didn't help that she's a big drinker, and by big, I mean big. She would start with champagne in the morning and be drunk by noon pretty much every day. Okay. So So it seemed like she was possibly even struggling with addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. I mean, she would also take various pills. Some were prescriptions, some weren't. But it was like on a pretty regular basis. So you combine those two together and mm-hmm. things are not going to go 
go well most of the time. So obviously we're just speculating here, but it she could have had a lot of pain and things that she was kind of coping with right. alcohol. And it's it's really sad when you think about it. But yeah, because she was partying so hard, she developed a reputation for drunken chaos around town and behind her back. People started to call her no pants Nance. <laughs> oh my so she got gosh. she was wild. Like she got she got after it when it came to partying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She'd have a different guy every week. She would have threesomes, foursomes, group sex, the whole nine. Which wow. is fine. Which yeah. Is, which no, yeah. I was no gonna judgment. say, I mean, no pants Nance. It could be worse. Yeah. As far as I, nicknames. I guess go. that is yeah. true. That's a good point. She may have liked it. I yeah. mean, who knows? And how old is she at this point in the in the case? Well, she was yeah. born in 56, so this okay. is after her daughter's born in 91, so we're okay. talking like 30s, 40s, okay, probably. 30s. So we're kind of like going up to before mm -hmm. everything kind of unfolds uh -huh. in her. So she's definitely like through her 30s and 40s partying okay. like this hard. Well, yep. she, she met all those like celebrities when she was in her teens, and okay. I mean, she was partying ever since. That's so, true, yes. Yeah. She's been yeah. partying since her teens. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. And it just never stopped. Yeah. Okay. But she was also the kind of woman who'd sit in your husband's lap right in front of you. And not once, not twice, but Dang. like over and over and over again, just without regard. Like, don't don't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think today we call those pick me girls. If I am mm. knowing on on what all the TikTok people are saying, yeah, that sounds like an accurate term that I have no idea about. <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to steal your man. <laughs> it's also rumored that sometimes her assistant Kathy and Nancy would sleep together too. So okay. She was very, very free-spirited. Free Absolutely. Yes, very yeah. free-spirited. But this is in rumor mill. That yeah. is right. not confirmed, just to be clear. So Nancy was very good friends with a woman who I just mentioned, Kathy. Her name's Kathy Carpenter. So Kathy worked at the Alpine Bank in town, and she grew up in Roaring Fork Valley. She didn't grow up rich like Nancy, though, and she could afford to live in Aspen because her work provided her with housing. But the two had met about 10 years prior when Nancy came into the bank to open an account. She told Kathy... You're very beautiful, but you're fat. Oh my God. Like straight to yeah. her face. She, like as soon as she met her. That's yeah. insane. She called her fat. You're beautiful, but you're fat. So. And yeah, huh. they okay. ended up being really good friends. Yeah. Which like. Surprises me. Yeah. yeah. Kathy's response was, and you're a bitch. <laughs> so I mean. <laughs> and now we're best well, friends. Now I kind of yeah. can see the friendship though, because if someone said that to my face, I would be like too stunned to speak i'd be oh, like wait yeah. did I'd they really just say that i know kathy was quick on her feet yeah she was like and you're a bitch yeah so, so they kind of worked yeah as friends because some i mean some uh, you know we weren't there to see that interaction go down so it could have been more of like a playful, playful. sort of yeah. thing where it's like yeah, yeah. I don't know that's how just how she is to be like you're yeah fat. i mean yeah, it's pretty rude yeah. no matter if you're <laughs> yeah. kidding or not you're but. fat like you're, how did she say if it? you're listening don't tell that joke to me okay i won't think it's playful no i would be so pissed yeah, you're going to get a scary reaction out of me if you yeah. say that to me. <laughs> but the two of them were drinking later that day. So it was like, you know, they, it's kind of an interesting way to start off a relationship or a friendship. And, you know, it led to them becoming friends. Kathy was also Nancy's personal assistant. Kathy was her personal banker, DD, house sitter, and dog sitter. She was also pretty consistently Nancy's drinking buddy. And Kathy was not paid for any of these roles. So... Oh, so you kind of are seeing there's potentially like Nancy taking advantage of Kathy a bit, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of bringing her in and, and 
clearly they liked being around each other to some extent because yeah. why would you be doing all this stuff for somebody if you didn't like being with them? Yeah. And there's perks to being yeah, with Yeah, I was going to say, too. well, that's the thing. I was going to ask. There's she, perks. Yeah, did she get like free jewelry you know whatever it is from nancy at least some free drinks i would imagine yeah. no she she got really introduced into the high life you could say yeah. she started eating sushi she'd never really done that before drinking champagne introduced to fine art and without nancy she wouldn't have seen certain places or done certain things so there were a lot of benefits but nancy could definitely be you know demanding mm-hmm. yeah. i know random but this reminds me of bernie tita a little bit that relationship oh yeah very similar that case that we were just case. telling you yep. guys mm-hmm. to watch mm-hmm. that, that we movie. were gonna cover i know yeah. um, they were supposed to be on that episode yeah but then daisy yeah <laughs> daisy damn it <laughs> so clearly nancy was a no bullshit type of person who told it like it was which sometimes bothered kathy and the mixed friend assistant role as you can imagine led to some conflict she and kathy sometimes got into fights and those fights were definitely fueled by alcohol One night in August 2012, the two of them were drinking at a bar up in Glenwood Springs, which is another mountain town about an hour away from Aspen. Very low key area. We love Glenwood Springs. Great place to visit if you're coming to Colorado. Lots of fun stuff to do there. Yeah. But anyway, they had been drinking and they forgot where they parked their car. Nancy's Toyota Prius. So despite her being like wealthy and everything. Yeah. She's still like driving the Toyota Prius. That's impressive. Yeah, and she it's like, was an environmental queen. You know, yeah. she, <laughs> I guess that yeah. also took private jets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you the know two equal out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if Nancy had been ar- arrested at all up until this point? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, think I mean, if there was, it was never recorded here and there. Yeah. And also, she was so wealthy. She's talk of the Garrett. town. Aspenites to... don't get arrested. True. Yeah, that is true. true. She's yeah. like, hey, my daddy owns that mountain. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go. No, but she definitely, I mean, there's really nothing reported. Okay. It's quite possible she never did nothing anything happened. that would have gotten her arrested. Now, when it comes to the conflict between Kathy and Nancy, obviously, there are two sides to every story. And one side of the story goes something like this. Nancy was trying to force Kathy to drive, but Kathy said no because she'd been drinking. Then Nancy called the cops on Kathy and tried to say that she was afraid of her. But this plan backfired and Nancy was arrested for DUI. So that oh. does answer your question. Okay, there, there. we go. She, there's mean, the arrest. You were there's the arrest. For. That yeah. was almost yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. Nancy had to take classes and pay fines, which she blamed Kathy for. And even though she was super loaded, she insisted that Kathy repay her the 2500 bucks that she'd lost as a result of the incident. And Kathy eventually did it. Ouch. That's, that's, yeah. that's kind of a mean thing to do when you're probably the one at fault here. But here's you the are. other side of I the mean, story. Because mm-hmm. the other side of the story is quite different. So the pair were drinking. They lost track of where they had left their car. And they wandered around looking for it without any luck. The two then made their way back to the bar and found a server who had just gotten off work. They asked him for help, and for the next hour, they walked around Glenwood Springs trying to find it. The server said the whole time, Kathy was yelling at Nancy or insulting her under her breath. Kathy was so drunk, she was barely coherent. Eventually, Nancy got someone to call the police, and she told them that she was afraid of Kathy, and she was worried she was going to try and hurt her. Wow. So, based on that... Obviously, it seems like Kathy is the one at fault here, potentially, or, you know, she's instigating mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. And Nancy really got away with a lot of this sort of behavior, but it cost her some friends and it put distance between her and the friends that did stick around. Because, I mean, it's like almost an abusive relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. 
And as you can imagine, there are lots of fancy parties in Aspen <laughs> thrown by well-to-do townspeople and luxury magazines. And Nancy used to be invited to those kinds of parties, but eventually only her sister started to get invited and editors took Nancy off the list mm. because they were worried drunk Nancy shows up and we got a real shit show. Here. No pants, Nance. Yeah. yeah you know, things exactly. are going to get wild and out of control. And I can't imagine what that's going to do to her mentally. Yeah, to right. not get oh, invited yeah. to those Your parties. Whole life. That's her life. It's not like right, she doesn't have a job. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a socialite. Yeah. So that's so, what she does. Yeah, it was a big hit to her mm -hmm. ego, for sure. Which is interesting because it also seems like she's trying to play both sides, right? She's trying to also be this like low-key, down-earth, chill, yeah. Prius-driving, you yep. know, kind of like mm -hmm. hippie sort of person, but also wants to be on the other side of this high-living socialite. So it's like, I guess the two can be together, but... Mm -hmm most of the time we think you would be two separate things right? right so it's like she's almost trying to like balance between these two different identities yeah and bo both are important to her right because yeah. yeah. of her where she came from and her family so yeah so over time many people believe that nancy started hanging out with seedier and seedier people some that were possibly even dangerous and that was because she was alienating a lot of her friends in aspen but make no mistake, she still had friends. Nancy knew how to throw a party. And if you wanted an interesting night, you'd put her on the list to invite to yours as well. And plenty of people did. So when you say seedier and seedier, does that mean just like people in like a different crowd? Like the wrong crowd? Yeah. Or okay. like kind of dicey individuals. Okay. Okay. Who may, might be sketchy. dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Which I think you could take with a grain of salt, right? right. Like, what? That's kind of a, what does that a mean? blanket term. Does CD mean sketchier? Does CD mean lower class? Yeah. Right. And, oh, and that's, that's what too. people could have meant by that. Right. I'm not exactly sure, but right. that's just what people were saying. Right. Because obviously, time. somewhere like Aspen, you've got all of these really, really rich people, but then you've got the people that serve the rich and work mm -hmm. in the, the hotels, restaurants, bars, things yeah. like that. So her friends, her Aspen socialite friends, could have been like, uh, oh, they're seedy people. Yeah, that makes sense. Hanging out with the waitresses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that could have kind of been what it was. Okay. I think it's that. And it's also Nancy was the type of person to literally come up to a random person on the street and like start talking to you mm. and like, mm -hmm. hang out. Like I read some story, this journalist met her in town and they made eye contact and she was eating Chinese food and without a word, she literally walked up to him and like put a chopstick thing full of <laughs> Chinese food in his mouth. And like, that's how they met and became friends. <laughs> so Interesting. It's like really just, you know. Super social. Yeah. Captivating kind of energy because who does that, you know, it's yeah. intriguing. Yeah. But I think at the same time, she might have been too trusting. Yeah. Right. right. Divulging too much information to potentially mm -hmm. the wrong person, right? Puts yourself mm -hmm. at risk. Yeah. So I guess that kind of explains. And many of these new people that she was hanging out with had different paths in life by that point. Kids, families, work, stuff like that. And they couldn't just fly out to a different country on a whim like Nancy did. Speaking of which, Nancy was preparing to go to Australia for the winter. Very nice, right? Mm -hmm. She usually spent each winter somewhere warm and then let other people stay in her house. So she was just looking for someone to rent the house while she was out and just needed some help preparing for the trip. So Nancy put an ad in the paper looking for a tenant. And in October of 2013, she got a response. And it was from a couple in Denver, 65-year-old Trey Styler and his wife, 62-year-old Nancy. And like we said, yes, they have the same name. So we'll try not to make this too confusing for you guys. 
So Nancy and William Trey Styler were an eccentric couple from Denver, Greenwood Village, to be precise, another area we're very familiar with. And once upon a time, they were rich, and they had a very fancy house to match. Their tastes were very new money, and their lives were comfortable. Their house was full of fake flowers, white leather couches, massage chairs, fake rock waterfalls. Dang. Yeah, kind of an interesting style. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was all decorated in pinks and lavenders. And Nancy had long Dolly Parton blonde hair and long acrylic nails. So we're going to refer to the new Nancy as Nancy S. So you don't get confused. But Nancy S. was a full-time botanist who grew Amazonian water lilies. She founded the Victoria Conservatory and sold lilies to the Denver Botanical Gardens, as well as the University of Denver. Trey, on the other hand, was the chief of staff at St. Joseph's Hospital's anesthesiology department. Mm. He was paid very well, and he was a trust fund kid, so he had a decent nest egg as well. Nancy S. didn't come from money, but she quickly grew accustomed to the luxury that comes along with being with a doctor. A photographer named Povey Kendall Atchison spent a lot of time photographing the stylers in their gardens, and this was right around the time that the stylers ran into some serious problems Povey said that the Stylers had always been a little off, which is a nice way to put it. Hmm. But when they ran out of money, they stopped seeming like good people. Mm-hmm. When Trey was diagnosed with a neurological disorder, thought to be a milder form of ALS, he had to step down from his position. Trey had also been suing his former employer because he accused the employer of stealing software that he created. But the lawsuit went south, and Trey had been paying a lawyer who repeatedly missed deadlines and failed to file motions. And it got bad enough that he ended up losing the case because Jeez. of his lawyer, essentially. Okay. Yeah, that sucks. What's even worse, though, is that Trey had actually been sending this lawyer tens of thousands of dollars at the time. The lawyer even convinced Trey to take out a new credit card oh, and pay no. him 30 grand from it. But yeah. in total, this lawyer swindled over $670,000 oh, from him. Oh, my gosh. It's like the Tinder swindler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That really like put them into financial ruin. They had to file another lawsuit in order to get the money back from their former lawyer. And then they also had to sell their $2.2 million house in Greenwood Village in order to avoid going into foreclosure. So things just absolutely fell apart for them. Trey was awarded $800,000 in the lawsuit against his former attorney, but the attorney declared bankruptcy. And now Trey couldn't collect that money. And as you can imagine, Trey was distraught to the point where he was actually talking about suicide. Oh. Yeah. So the Stylers took what little money they had left and planned to start fresh with a new business. And like most rational, realistic people who are strapped for cash, they decided the best place to start over was Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> oh, my God. Just the most expensive town yeah. in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. You know. So they were going to build an aesthetics spa there. I don't know what an aesthetic spa is. I was going to ask about this. Like is it Botox laser? Oh, it's like okay. a med spa. Like a med spa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Which is great for Aspen, I think. Right. Yeah. Honestly, it's not a bad idea. I'd imagine, though, at the time, isn't someone has probably already hopped on that trip yeah. by then, right? Like, yeah. 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 They'd probably be It's like the in first thing in town was yeah. a <laughs> grocery store and <laughs> a med spa. A yeah, and a med spa. A yes. Trader Joe's and a med spa. Yeah. <laughs> your Botox. My two favorite places. And your yeah. bananas. <laughs> yeah. 
So before they moved to Aspen, they had moved to Castle Rock, Colorado, and apparently they left because they suffered a near-fatal carbon monoxide poisoning situation at their rental. They're just really down on their luck. Majorly. That's scary, though, man. That's like one of the things that absolutely terrifies me. Oh, like Carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Silent killer, man. Yeah. Make sure you got your carbon monoxide detectors working on. Seriously, like... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, go check them right now. Go check them right now. Pause the episode and go check. (laughs) Anyway, so they're going to start this med spa situation. And of course, they had to start taking laser classes. And they bought a bunch of fancy equipment to run the place. Their dream was to make their spa the Mountain Oasis Spa, on which would be kind of top of the line luxury destination in Aspen. Nancy S. was also going to work as a seamstress. So they had a bunch of sewing equipment as well. They needed a place to stay, though, so they got to searching. And this is how they connected with the other Nancy, Nancy Fister. And there are different accounts about exactly how they first met. Some say that the stylers answered Nancy Fister's rental ad. Others say that they met at Hotel Jerome, maybe in that uh, J-Bar, RJ. What was it called? R-J-Bar. Yeah. J-Bar? J-Bar. But regardless, Nancy Fister needed tenants to watch her house while she was in Australia from November to May. And the stylers needed a place to stay. So it was a perfect deal. One too good to be true, perhaps. I think it's kind of interesting that she needed someone to watch her house Mm -hmm. um, because she doesn't need the money. Right. Obviously, right? But Mm -hmm. she just wanted it to, I don't know, be occupied, I guess. Yeah. Maybe she does, though. I think... Maybe she does need the money, you're saying? Yeah. Like, I think that sometimes you look at Aspenites and you're like, oh, wow, they are just so, but maybe she spends a lot of money. Maybe yeah, she maybe. could yeah. use the money, you know? You never you know. Never you know. do never know. It's true. And sometimes yeah. really wealthy people are cash poor, right? Right. Like yes. they've got their in, you know, wealth in investments and real estate. Like that's what I think is a lot of her wealth was actually wrapped up in like property and things like yep. that. So it wasn't like she had just like cash at her disposal all the mm-hmm. time, which I mean, we don't know exactly how much was in her bank account, but we do know that cash was kind of an issue. So she really yeah. did need to rent it out. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like, why let random people move into exactly. your house? Exactly. Right? If you don't make need sense. the cash, then what's the point? Right. Uh-huh. Somebody could potentially ruin your house. Which mm-hmm. kind of lines up with how she, you know, went after Kathy for the 2,500 bucks from yeah. the DUI. Yeah. It's like, like not it's 20, that much to such uh, a wealthy person, but uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the deal was this. The Stylers could live in Nancy's home and operate their med spa seamstress business out of it while she was in Australia for six months. But the deal was that they'd have to take care of Nancy's golden doodle. Good old game, which yeah. you guys know about golden doodles. Good old yeah. Daisy. That's Daisy. Can Our you imagine doodle? just like finding a tenant and then also leaving your dog? Like my, the dog comes with the place. Right. Yeah. You're renting the house, but Australia. take care of my dog. Yeah. 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 That's why it doesn't make sense. I'm like, what? And yeah. leaving the dog at the same time? Yeah, you'd That's have to be crazy. like so picky about who you have to. Yeah. I like, would not trust people no. to watch my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it too. Like, I think she kind of thought that these guys were going to be good tenants, right? Because it's like, here's this doctor, this anesthesiologist. And like, how honest were they about how their life was spiraling when they were looking for it? They just needed to get up there. So my guess is Nancy was like, oh, perfect. I found this, you know, this doctor and Mm -hmm. this, you know, med spa person. So this is perfect. Like, they'll fit right in here and, you know, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So the rent would be $4,000 a month plus utilities for Nancy's three bed, three and a half bath, 3,000 square foot private mountain home on 36.5 acres of land. So pretty, pretty nice. And this was a deal though for Aspen. 
You can't even rent a studio apartment there for that price, much less an entire house on the mountain. Yeah. And like we were talking about before, the Zillow price for it now is over $12 million. Um, so it's gone up quite a bit since then. But the rent would be paid to Kathy, who would hold on to the money while Nancy was out of town. And Kathy would act as sort of a go-between with, you know, Nancy and the styler. So it's kind of like, you know, Airbnb, okay. you got like the host. Yeah. Like, you know, the local host or whatever, if it's like an investment property that's kind of what Kathy was doing. She's going to kind of keep an eye on things and, you know, be there locally for, for uh, Nancy. So Nancy actually offered to give the stylers one month free rent. The conditions were that Nancy S would still be in the house for the time being. And the stylers would help her pack and prepare for her trip. So now, you know, I'll give you a month free, but you got to come help me pack. This is weird. They got some weird stuff going on here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very, very weird. So Nancy Pfister, always an idealist, told the Stylers that meeting them was karma. The Stylers agreed to her terms, and they were very excited to move in and get started on their new lives. But keep in mind, there was no rental agreement or contract drawn. Yeah. So big, big yeah. uh, opportunity for issues to arise there. Everything was an oral or verbal agreement and not in writing, which is never good. So the first day that the stylers met Nancy, she actually greeted them wearing nothing but her robe and a string of pearls. While no holding... Nance pants. That's exactly. Oh, wait. No pants Nance. <laughs> no said no it, Nance pants. <laughs> and she was just standing there holding a glass of pink champagne. So definitely living the fine life. And they thought that was a little odd. But the stylers just figured her to be a rich, eccentric type but things got worse, and life at Nancy's was not good. Nancy proved to be a terror of a landlord. She walked around naked, drunk, and irritable, and she treated the stylers as servants. Mm. This is the wording they actually used, servants. Nancy Styler said that after only a few days, Nancy Fister would order her around, tell her to get her her cigarettes, her drinks, this or that, and... Kathy tried to reassure the stylers that this was just the way Nancy was. She meant well, but sometimes she could be a bit much for people who didn't know her all that well. Sounds like a little bit too much for me. I can't even imagine. I I'd feel be like I'd be so like, fast. I'm out. Yeah, There's what? no way I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. And Nancy was very excited to go on her trip to Australia. She would be studying permaculture in Byron Bay and staying with a 74-year-old dentist who reminded her of her father. And Nancy loved Australia because who doesn't? Have you guys ever been to Australia? We have not. Have you guys? Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. I am jealous. It was it's a cool country. The best week of our lives. Yeah. It's, it is very cool. So she was actually considering making a permanent move out there, which that crossed our minds while we were there as well. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to <laughs> it's leave. that awesome. It's beautiful. Was she like dating this guy that she was Dennis? going to live with? I yeah. mean, I don't know if they... Doesn't really say. It wasn't like a formal relationship. Uh -huh. I don't even think... I guess she's going to stay with him. So yeah, so I think, I think it was just friendly. Friend she yeah, no, it was. She had like a a different kind of boyfriend. Okay, playing out there. Right. Got okay. It. Yes. So yeah, they were just friendly with each other. And she is free spirited. I forget. So yeah, yeah. anything yeah. can happen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. But as the weeks went on, she was running into issues with the stylers. Finally, the stylers thought they had a chance to breathe once Nancy left for Australia. You know, they were off the hook as far as being servants. But they quickly noticed that the house was not in perfect condition, to say the least. Literally, the stove didn't work, the dishwasher didn't work, and the hot water was rusty. Jeez. Yeah. Basically, she didn't cook. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's a, yeah. Dishwasher doesn't work. Yeah. Stove yeah. doesn't work. The yeah. water's rusty. And she's yeah. like, it's all good. It's yeah. for me. <laughs> she's clearly not there eating home cooked meals probably yeah. very often, if that's yeah. the case. Unless that was a recent issue, which it might have been. But but the sellers wanted these issues fixed, obviously. Like, why would you mm-hmm. go rent a place and you can't use the stove dishwasher and your water's rusty? I mean, come on. I would probably start withholding my rent as well. So that's what they for did. Sure. They said they would pay the money once those things were fixed. They'd already paid Nancy a month and a half's rent up front, $6,000. So they needed to pay another $6,000 in order to be paid up for three months or until February 22nd. Kathy arranged the repairs and the stylers paid her the $6,000 they owed. And in a December 31st email from Trey to Kathy, he said they were paid in full through February 22nd. Kathy emailed Nancy Fister on January 3rd, telling her the stylers were paid through February 22nd, plus an additional $650 Trey had paid in utilities. And that money was in her safety deposit box at Alpine Bank. But things were now very tense. Nancy was very mad about these late payments, and she wanted the stylers out. She was considering them squatters even, and con men who were taking advantage of her willingness to help them out. So immediately jumps to that, of course. Nancy Styler had used one of Nancy Fister's credit cards and actually racked up $670 in charges Mm. and... I mean, that would make anybody mad, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Like your tenant oh, found sure. a credit card and we're using your credit card. Yeah, it's that's, weird. That's Free a little money. weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But as you can imagine, like for Nancy Fister, this like enraged her. I mean, this is just fueling this this fire and, and vendetta, vendetta she has against the stylers. But the stylers had also been using her car and she actually emailed Trey about it on December 12th. And this is a quote from that email. It says, Nancy Styler charged almost $670 to my card no cash for the rest of our agreements expect to hear from my lawyer you guys have a lot of nerve to move in with no payments making me upset i have other people to take care of gabe better get a moving truck and return to denver that's a little weird that they were using her car like her card i mean that's weird obviously but they found it i mean i guess i can comprehend it not saying i would do it but (laughs) comprehend you know But don't yeah. leave your don't car leave out your there. Around. Yeah, don't leave your cars around. <laughs> Where's my wallet? Yeah. But car? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, I guess it's weird. Well, and I think you know we see how um, Nancy reacted with her really good friend Kathy during their little fight, you know, and she mm. made Kathy pay back. So now imagine that tenfold with her yeah. tenants that she's not even good friends with. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a history with. She sees them as servants. Yes. So they meant nothing to her. Yeah. Yeah. She was pissed. And these emails continued back and forth, and it was driving the stylers crazy. And on February 17th, Trey emailed Nancy back, and he told her that she was repaid for the clothes that his wife had bought because they had bought her $1,000 worth of champagne that they weren't paid back for. He also wrote, be careful what you ask for. You may get more than you expect. Mm. Meanwhile, the stylers accused Nancy Fister of spreading vicious lies about them on Facebook and over email. Finally, it was bad enough that the stylers threw in the towel. They decided they were going to be leaving the house, and they fully moved out on February 22nd. As of recently, Nancy was starting to run low on money, and this was part of the reason that she decided to rent her house out. And her not having enough money to stay in Australia was potentially one of the reasons why her trip was cut about three months short since she was planning on staying until May 22nd. So she decides to return from Australia early to evict the stylers and collect three months of rent that she claimed was unpaid. In reality, the stylers had paid 
But now Nancy was out a tenant for the next three months. So in a sense, she's out $12,000. Nancy told Kathy that she wanted the stylers out of the house. And to be more specific, she said, kick those fuckers out. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. But it appeared that Kathy and the stylers had developed sort of a friendship while she was gone. Based on their disagreements with Nancy Fister, they could kind of relate relate, to each other. Mm -hmm. On Facebook, Nancy posted this message, quote, I'd like to stay in Australia, but the people that were supposedly taking care of my house are not doing what they said they would do. And they're not paying rent and they haven't paid utilities. So the stylers didn't end up moving out of Nancy's house and they ended up moving into the Aspinalt Lodge, a motel in nearby Basalt that cost $119 a night. The situation was putting an incredible strain on them. Trey had been making suicidal remarks since before they had moved to Aspen, but now Nancy Styler was too, and he was concerned. So things are just getting worse and worse for them. On February 22nd, 2014, Nancy arrived back in Aspen from Australia. This was the same day that the Stylers were supposed to be fully moved out, but they weren't. According to Kathy, Nancy Fister was mad about it, but she more or less accepted it. She was demanding $14,000 in unpaid rent, utilities, and property damages from the stylers before they could come back to the house to get their spa equipment. So they have all this expensive equipment there, and Nancy's like holding it hostage. That sucks. I also feel like the number just keeps suspiciously getting higher of Mm -hmm. what they owe her. Like every time she talks, she's like, wait, no, now it's this. Now it's this. I'm almost wondering if she came back, she's like, oh, you guys broke the stove. You broke the dishwasher. The water's rusty. What are you guys doing here? Like, right? Because there was no formal like yeah. tenant yep. agreement signed with like an like all the formalities for that. It was just kind of like, oh, you watch my house, cool. You pay me, cool. And then none of that happened, and now she's pissed. So Kathy picked Nancy up from the airport, and Nancy asked Kathy to stay the weekend at her place, which she did. She said the weekend was pleasant and it was good to have her home. On the morning of the twenty fourth, Kathy left the house, but before she did, she left a sign up for any potential visitors that said. Do not disturb Nancy sleeping. Nancy was still very jet lagged from her trip home. And by that morning, she was finally able to get some rest. So this was the last time that Kathy said she saw Nancy Fister. Nancy Styler had actually messaged Kathy as early as February 21st, saying she hadn't seen or heard from Nancy Fister. Nancy Styler even speculated to Kathy that maybe Nancy Fister had killed herself in the following days. So right here, this story has conflicts already. Also, why is Nancy S. already speculating that Nancy Fister has killed herself? Doesn't it right. seem a little unusual to jump to that conclusion? Who says that yeah. when you don't even know what, what led you to get there? Right. Yeah, it sounds like she's trying to plant some seeds. Yeah. Right. I don't know, but... That's what it sounds like. Yep. The stylers said they had the legal right to get their stuff back, which they did, of course. So they came back to the property with a police officer there to supervise on February 24th. They wanted the cop there in case Nancy Fister tried giving them any issues. But it turns out they wouldn't need him. They loaded up their stuff until four in the afternoon with no sign of Nancy there. They hadn't heard from her and they noticed that the dog hadn't been let out. Which is sad. I know. That's horrible. I know. Nancy Styler said she did notice a foul odor coming from Nancy Fister's bedroom closet. But she didn't think anything of it but it was concerning enough for her to call Kathy about it. So there's a couple of weird things here. Yes. And I'm going back to what Garrett said, planting seeds. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because of course she's like, 
oh, we're going to need a police officer to go up there with us because Nancy's going to give us hell, you know, yep. get our yeah. stuff out of there. Then conveniently, they're like, oh, no, it was actually fine. There was no issues whatsoever. Weirdly, the dog was still inside, not yeah. let out. But we mm-hmm. just, you know, we just casually packed up all of our stuff. And, and there was a horrendous <laughs> smell, but. Yeah, weird. Sometimes it smells bad, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> have Kathy take care of it. No need for us to go look and check it out. Exactly. It's yeah, very. Super sketch already. Very sketch. So on February 26, 2014, Kathy got a call from the Stylers and they said they were going to Nancy Fister's house that evening to pick up some trash bags that they left outside the house. But Kathy would get to the house first when she went to pick up Gabe. Kathy also noticed that the dog hadn't been let out and now she was concerned. And earlier, Nancy Styler had informed her that the foul smell was coming from the closet Kathy hadn't been able to get a hold of Nancy for days at this point. So she starts searching the house. So that's super weird. Like if you went back, like just think of, put yourself in this situation. If you went back to a house to get your stuff because you had been kicked out or whatever, and you notice a foul smell coming from I would open the door immediately. Right. I feel like anybody would. That'd just be like instinct to go be like, oh, what is that? You know, is it dog poop or, you know, what's what's going on? Mm -hmm. And you would go and actually seek out the smell. But the fact that it's just like, oh, yeah, smells bad. Yeah, we smells bad. We just mentioned this, yeah. And then they didn't even bother, like, why not bother to let the dog out? You were just there. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Let the dog out real quick. They didn't do that either. Especially when they were taking care of the dog for a right. while. So right. it's, right. it's not like they're you new to doing that. You didn't grow attached to this dog at all right. while you were watching him. You don't feel bad for it when you yeah. go there and it needs to go outside or yeah. it's like urinating all over the place. Like, yeah. yeah, very, very suspicious stuff going on here. When Kathy entered Nancy's bedroom, that worry quickly turned into panic. Mm. There was a blood smear on her headboard. And there was this, again, horrible smell coming from the closet. Kathy tried opening the door, but it was locked, apparently. So she raced to her house in order to grab a spare key for it. She raced up the stairs, unlocked the closet door, and was hit with an atrocious stench. Oh, no. Yeah, you know where that's going. And that's when, inside of Nancy's bedroom closet, she found Nancy's body wrapped in a sheet. Kathy was immediately in a state of shock and hysteria. She ran to her car and sped off in the direction of the police station. On her way, she called 911 screaming and sobbing. Which, right away, why, whoever did this, I mean, I'll find out, why would the body be in the closet? Like, of all places, why are you putting the body back in the closet where she lives? I don't know, I think it's just, it's kind of weird. Like, well, is it possible that she was killed in the closet? True. I mean, fully killed. Obviously, things started in the Uh, bed. I see what you're saying. But maybe it continued on into the closet or they moved her there in a weird attempt to like conceal. Yeah. So it's like if you're going to move to the closet, why not move her somewhere else? I guess is what I'm saying, you know? Or it was just all part of a diabolical plan that they knew they were going to have the police officer come up. They were hoping that he would find Uh, her. He didn't. So then they called Kathy, hoping that then Kathy would go over and find her. That's true. So they didn't have to be the one to find the body. I think to answer your question about the closet, is because whoever did this is trying to stage a suicide. Yeah. Oh, and people okay. commit suicide in, in the closet where they hang themselves in the closet. Uh, so yeah. I think that's the the thought behind this is that it's supposed to look like a suicide. Makes sense. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah, considering there's blood, blood on smeared the on yeah. the headboard. But, right. you know, they tried, I guess. They, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it seems like. So we actually have a part of that 911 call that we're going to play right now. Yeah, and definitely take note of. Kathy and how she sounds on okay. this call and let it, I want to hear your thoughts after this. Oh my god. 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 Oh my god.
911. What is the address of the emergency? What is the address of the emergency? Is that a house, business, or apartment? It's a house. It's Nancy's sister's house. My friend. Ma'am, tell me exactly what happened. My my friend had. I got my friend in the closet. Ma'am, tell me exactly what happened. My my friend came back from Australia, Nancy's sister, and she had some people living there, and she really pissed them off, and um, she made threats to them about owing money, and I don't know what she. I couldn't find her. She didn't call, and these people said the dog had been in the house, and she hasn't been around. And so I went up there to get the dog, and I was looking for her. I need you to tell me exactly what happened. I can't. My friend is in her closet. In her closet. Yes. Okay, stay on the line with me. We're going to send help that way. Holy crap. Yeah. That's insane. She she definitely, I mean, I don't think it was her. I just... Yeah, my first gut there. reaction is that that was genuine. Yeah. Interesting. I agree with you guys. Josh and I are a little torn on Kathy. Oh, okay. Interesting. So what are your thoughts, Josh? I mean, for, from that 911 call, I definitely think there's there's some genuine emotion there. Although the circumstances of how this, you know, now that we know kind of how it all unfolded is is a little odd. And just some of the things she says, I think, are... And again, it's it's hard, right? When people it are in hard. these situations, you you never yeah. know if it, this is just like genuine reactions to to, to trauma, trauma that they just saw, right. or if people are trying to fake emotions in order to paint a picture mm-hmm. for the authorities. And I think after hearing that again, I'm slowly moving away from her being invo- involved. Okay. But yeah. I, I'm still suspicious because I still think. I do feel like there's still some possible motive for her to be involved in some way in this, whether it's because, because the thing about it, it almost seems like she's trying to tell dispatch like, Hey, it's these two people that, you know, that were, you know, she pissed these people off. Yeah. Which is a sign. It is like that is, I mean, if, you were in a a cop looking or a detective looking at this, you would say the fact that she immediately took blame off herself and pointed yeah. it at someone else is a sign of suspicion. Yeah. Well, I mean, most people in that situation, and I mean most, obviously it's quite possible she just, this came to her mind, but right. oftentimes we see things where people start setting it up yep. ahead of time. Right. It reminds me of even Alec uh, Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Did you guys follow yes. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, immediately when police are called, he's he's talking about the boat accident right. and how yeah. right. all these people were out to get him and yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the true. first thing on his mind. So, right. Versus, I mean, it is suspicious. Because for me, like, I'm thinking I would just be explaining my actions that just happened like five seconds ago, not instantly going yep. launching into yeah. this like historical account of everything that's been happening to Nancy Fister right. yeah. in this sort of moment. You know what I mean? It's almost like it just doesn't seem natural to me to go okay. to that place yeah. where you would be like, oh, yeah, she just got back from Australia and, yeah. you know, yeah. she's been fighting with with these people that are renting okay. her house. Versus just being like immediately, I just went into her house. I found her dead body in the closet. Yeah. You know, and just like 
staying on that point. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but instead is already insinuating a, a different narrative going on. So yeah. something, I mean, could mm. be completely genuine, but I do find yeah. it a little suspicious. I so. mean, we're, we're like both really torn on it. We were talking about it earlier, us for um, the mile higher crew as well. And it seems like the majority of us lean towards Kathy not having involvement, but there is a lot of suspicion from people in general, but also experts in the case. And we'll get into more of that later. Yeah. Um, but right off the bat for me, that reaction is just, she sounds so fucking traumatized yeah. that I can't, uh, it's, it's very hard. And, you know, I've watched a lot of interviews with her on like Dateline and crime, true crime daily. And to me, she's always come across as genuine, genuine, yeah. Like, yeah. really in pain. And, and yeah. but people can yeah. people, people you're right. are sociopaths I'm, and, yeah, I'm curious to see where the case goes because like Kendall said like it did seem well it seems genuine but maybe I'd just be a bad detective I, and I know sometimes I think I would too don't let yeah. me be a police officer because I'd be like oh I believe you I'm yeah. such an yeah, empath if people are crying and, <laughs> yeah. and that traumatized and upset like I just instantly would believe that I would probably be a yeah. bad in investigator I, in that sense I will say 911 calls are so hard because how people react in trauma yeah. is so unique and hard and I think that we used to be like oh that was the wrong reaction he must be guilty she yep. must be guilty but yep. you know we had a, a little scare in January and Garrett had to call 911 and it was really really scary oh my God. and I will say if you went back and listened to his 911 call, let's just hope I never get murdered because they will immediately suspect Garrett because on the call, he's like, yeah, uh, my wife just says she can't breathe. Yeah, it was pretty calm. He's like so <laughs> casual. He was That's so casual. That's like I was point. having That's a, good point. a pure crisis and Garrett was like, I don't know. Yeah she, I, yeah, she just says she can't breathe. Here's our address. Here's this. Like he was yeah. so... Which is good. That's yeah, a good skill to good. have, especially mm -hmm. if but you guys, everyone have kids. Like, like you didn't mom. act like you were in That's any a good point. type of dire situation. I guess situation. you just never know how people yeah. react. It's, okay. yeah. it's, I think it's so true. Traditionally in true crime, people are judged very much on their reactions to things. But in times of trauma, everyone everyone just reacts differently. Reacts differently. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's super hard to say. I'm curious to see the evidence because this will be interesting. Oh, yeah. I Let's have two other things that. as I'm sitting here listening yeah. and thinking. With Kathy, so you walk in, you go to your, your friend's house to, you know, supposedly check on the dog, right? Which I'm like, the timing of everything is yeah. very interesting to me. She goes in, she finds her, her friend mm -hmm. dead in the closet. Her first gut reaction is to run out of the house get in the car and drive away from the house. One could say maybe she wasn't able to call from the house, but that seems very weird to me. You know, someone say, well, her house is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. She didn't, you know, she didn't have a way to call. There's no service, whatever it may be. But she drives and then she ends up like pulling over and that's where she calls. And then she just like stays there until the cops get there and the cops yes. are, are talking to her. But the fact she flees the scene it is a little it's interesting odd. to me. Yeah, I think it's a little odd. Versus staying there with your friend or at the house and you right. know, and maybe she was just scared and like I ran out or something like fight that. Fight or but. flight. Yeah. From my from my uh, perspective, I would I would take off. I'd be so freaked out. Yeah. I'd want to get the fuck out of that Same. house as fast as possible. Mm. Yeah. Well there's I get I guess there's also on that that side of things you could yeah. think, is the killer still here? Yep. There's yeah. somebody dead in the closet because that's, that's I think it's kind of staged to look like a suicide, but if you found somebody wrapped up in the closet, I don't think people are going to necessarily immediately go to that. They're going to think somebody killed her, right. and obviously yes. she saw the blood on the headboard. 
Yeah. So maybe it was like, I need to get out of here. I'm scared because there could be a killer here that could kill me as well. So she's trying to flee the area. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I my whole soul is trying to run away right now because this is too much trauma. Like I physically can't handle this. So I'm just going to go get in my car. As far away from it You know, on Hereditary when he just like continues home. Like that's me. Like I'm just like, I just need to get out of this situation. Yeah. I think I would be the same way. Yeah. It was also kind of interesting. She said my friend. Um, I don't know. I guess that's just interesting verbiage to me. She's like, my friend was killed. Um, she has to explain to a stranger. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Welcome to our podcast where we just disagree the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Play devil's advocate yeah. the whole yeah. time. We do that a lot yeah. too. I think that's what makes these couple podcasts yeah. interesting. Agreed. <laughs> so the police obviously immediately rushed to the house and that's where they found Nancy's body in the closet. Kathy was so hysterical that she had to be taken to the hospital and sedated. Wow. Well, that tells you a lot too. I mean, she was really, She's freaking really out. Really traumatized. Uh-huh. There wasn't a lot of visible blood at the scene, barely any actually, just that small smear on the headboard. And it, it is small, like we didn't clarify earlier. It's it's pretty yeah, tiny. It's, yeah. it's not a lot of blood. But what was weird is that her mattress had actually been flipped over to conceal a blood pool beneath it. So Which I don't know what their thought process behind yeah, that was. Yeah. Like they're just going to lift up. If you walk in and see a bed flipped over, you're going to flip the yeah. bed back. Yeah, right? just touching more things for DNA. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Nancy was covered in a blanket, a towel, and a white bed sheet. And investigators said it was hard to determine how the body was positioned when they first walked in. But there was the unmistakable stench of death. Nancy's neck had been covered with a towel. A heavy-duty yellow extension cord was then wrapped around the towel and her neck. And her body was wrapped from the shoulders down in a heavy-duty trash bag. And her head was covered in two white kitchen bags, which... It's just not saying suicide. No, no, no. I mean, that's not typical for somebody committing suicide that way yeah if someone's really trying to stage it obviously yes. they're doing a rush job they're not really yeah. thinking it through yeah. trash, if that was even like the their trash plan. bags what is yeah. what's up with that yeah there would be no point Strange. to doing that if you're yeah. gonna yeah. hang yourself or something but she had died from blunt force trauma her manner of death was homicide and someone had brutally beaten her head with oh, a hammer gosh. i know it's really hard to think about what's even harder is that she had no defensive wounds so whoever did this probably did it while she was sleeping yeah so that's that's absolutely horrible no way to even defend yourself you're just killed while you sleep and what's kind of interesting about that is nancy was known for really liking her sleep like she would she didn't want anyone to ever bother her she would put on the eye mask the Mm -hmm. ear earbuds and be like do not call me do not interrupt me for any reason and so she was probably like peacefully in her sleep and had no idea oh that's horrible I know. Is so with that being said, did a killer know that? And did they take advantage right. of the yeah. fact that Nancy just came home from Australia would likely be catching up on sleep? Mm-hmm. The sign on advantage. the door too that said like don't she bother would be me. Vulnerable. I'm sleeping. Yep. Right. Maybe someone who had lived with her for a period of time or Maybe. was the best friend. Yeah. And yeah. how did they get in? Because there were no signs of forced entry in the house. Right. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah. But there's been keys handed out everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Could they have uh, made have a copy key. of the key? You know, Could mm-hmm. they have just held mm-hmm. on to the key? Mm-hmm. So how'd they get in? So later that night, starting at 7.56 p.m., Nancy Styler made a flurry of calls, 13 different calls to six different people, including Kathy and Kathy's mother. 
They had gone to the house, like she said, to pick up those bags, but the sight of all those police vehicles had spooked them, according to her. And as soon as this news broke, I mean, this shook the town of Aspen. Like, people were mm-hmm. shocked that Nancy Fister was found dead in her house in this horrible, gruesome way. And I had read that it was the first murder that happened in over a decade in the town. And what's interesting is Aspen actually, like relative to Colorado, has a higher um, crime rate than the majority of the state. However, that's like more so property crime. So violent crime is like pretty low in Aspen. Mm -hmm. So again, this just like blew people away. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'd imagine, you know, from the way it's being described, she knew a lot of people. She did. Because she wasn't, she wasn't prejudiced. She just kind of talked to anyone, you know. And people just knew of her. her. too. So I'm sure it was one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, my brother's mom saw her at a party once. Yeah. She was sitting uh-huh. on her stepfather's sister's yeah. lap, yeah. husband's lap. Yeah. Or people just knew her connection to Buttermilk Mountain and her dad and yeah. everything. Yeah. You know? So it was shocking for sure. So obviously the police immediately began to hunt for Nancy's killer and they immediately began to uh, suspect both the Stylers and Kathy Carpenter. And the main reason being, of course, there was a very heated dispute going on between Nancy Pfister and the Stylers. That and the fact that they had been living in the house and had the keys to the place. I'm sure that it's also suspected because Nancy had taken this public on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. when you're like, oh, you know, she's fighting with these people on Facebook and then the next day she's dead. It's documented online. Yeah. So for the next week, the police put the three of them on surveillance. The next morning at 530 a.m., the police executed a search warrant at the Stylers motel room. They found Trey lying in bed, looking very frail and in poor health. They then handcuffed the couple and took them in for interrogation. Interesting. Yep. So the police said they wanted to talk to her about a body found at 1833 West Buttermilk. But Nancy said she had no idea what they were talking about, even after they gave the address. So and it was she saw the police cars exactly. when they went to pick up the bag. Yeah. Right. Like and she, and it's just talk of the town right. at that point. She probably knew. So why is she skirting yeah. those questions there? Why not just be honest? Be like, oh yeah, we were headed back over there to go pick up the rest of our stuff and there was police vehicles. Yeah. There. I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. What do you mean? <laughs> like never. What? Yeah. Never heard of her before, no, actually. Nothing of that place. <laughs> yeah. 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 She claims that it was only when she heard the names of Nancy Fister's sisters on the police radio that she realized that something may have happened to Nancy. So Nancy S. tells the police that she was shocked that they wanted to talk to her. She told them she had nothing to do with the body found in the house, but she said that she thought that Nancy Fister had committed suicide. She brought that up. Again. 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 That's so weird. That's obviously investigators are like ding, ding, ding. Red flag all over the place. That's this is very strange. Yeah, for sure. The deputy DA was really struck during this interrogation with how Nancy Styler just couldn't stop talking about how much of a horrible person she thought Nancy Fister was. Nancy Styler called her a liar, an alcoholic and the most self-loathing person she'd ever met. She said she treated her like a slave, called her and Trey trailer trash, and said they belonged in a trailer park in Basalt. Nancy Styler told the deputy that not one person said a nice thing about her, and she insisted, quote, I have never been disrespected by anyone in my life as much as I've been disrespected by this woman. Which, don't you think that is strange? Even if she's not involved, Mm -hmm. if you get called in for someone's murder, and 
obviously, first of all, it's just insensitive and yeah. weird timing to start talking shit about them, even if you feel like she deserved it. Yeah. But also it's it's making you look more and more guilty. guilty. And I, I think it would just be more normal to be like, listen, we've had our problems. Like, I yeah. don't think she's a very good person, but I don't think this, right. you know, like yeah, whether, watch an episode yeah. of CSI. Yeah. And then just <laughs> do what they do when they hate them. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like she's incriminating herself yeah. by mm-hmm. saying these things because it's like almost giving the police motive for her to potentially want to do harm to mm-hmm. her. Like, oh, you hate her that much? And, you know, she's explaining all of the animosity that they have between each other. We actually have a clip of Nancy Seller talking about Nancy Pfister. Let's play it. She was on Facebook saying awful things about us. You're liars. You're cheats. You owe me money for this. You owe me money for that. I think that I was very honest with them when they said to me, did you like her? And I said, no, I hated her. You said more than that. You said she's a liar. She's an alcoholic. She disrespected me like no other person has ever done. And that was all honest. What was I supposed to say? No, I never said that. I did say it. But that doesn't mean I was going to kill her. Dang, she's bitter. Yeah. Very, yeah, you very can just bitter. hear it in her voice. Like, mm-hmm. she really does not like Nancy Pfister. Mm-hmm. On the 27th and the 28th, both Trey and Kathy took police polygraph exams. They were asked about their involvement in Nancy's death, and the polygraph examiner said that both of their exams showed deception, which, again, polygraph tests are not admissible mm-hmm. in court. Yeah. People, you know, can dupe them and things can, you know, seem like it's deceptive, but it's not. It's very controversial. Yeah. But if you, you know, sometimes they are accurate. And if that's the case, both of them show deception. That's concerning, right? Yeah. Failed like miserably. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about polygraphs all the time mm-hmm, on the podcast. Because I like, tell him if something happens to me, please don't like, take don't a polygraph. don't take a polygraph. <laughs> I know Garrett will just fell one. I yeah. know it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Later that day, Nancy Fister's handyman and close friend paid Nancy and Trey a visit at the Aspinall Lodge. And Nancy Styler kept telling the handyman how much she hated Nancy Fister. It made the handyman so uncomfortable that he decided to leave. So you can... From that clip you just saw, you can imagine how yeah. like irate she probably was talking about Nancy. Nancy Styler was very open about how much she disliked Nancy Fister. To this day, she openly states that she absolutely hated her. Multiple times, Nancy Styler told Kathy that she wanted to kill Nancy Fister. She said the three of them would make jokes about it. The three. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's okay. kind of weird. Josh. Yeah. The three. See? Yeah, the three. I know that. Hmm. Why participate in that if you're, you know, yeah. you're really this like diehard friend for Nancy. Yeah. That's yeah. very weird. And there's more. At one point during their Aspen stay, Trey went to Alpine Bank and tried applying for a $25,000 to $50,000 loan. And he told a bank officer that he needed this money to pay the first and last month's rent at Nancy Fister's place and to start a spot in Hotel Jerome. On February 18th, the bank rejected the loan application because the Stylers' credit scores were too low. When Trey found out, he went to the bank and told the branch president that if something happened to Nancy Fister, it would be, quote, best for all involved. That's weird. This is getting They're just yeah. dropping more and more weird. Yeah. Seeds yeah. everywhere. Yeah. This is getting yeah. ridiculous. Yep. yep. Trey also told the president that if he killed himself, his wife would get a million dollars in life insurance payout. Later that day, he went to a local jeweler and tried to sell his wife's ring. The jeweler made Trey an offer, but Trey didn't like it. So again, he threatens to kill himself. 
to the jeweler. He's like telling all these people he's going to kill himself. Which is that even true? Would she get a million dollars if he killed himself? You guys know? I mean, it depends on the policy, but in this circumstance, yes. Yeah, this one didn't have a suicide clause. Oh, okay. So Mm -hmm. she really would have. Okay. Yep. Which is crazy. Which is important to remember for later as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is. According to a motel employee who worked at the Aspinall Lodge front desk, Nancy would frequently come down to the lobby and grab the local paper. And in particular, she was interested in the stories about Nancy Pfister's murder. So she's keeping tabs yeah. on what they're doing. And according to this employee, Nancy said that she was collecting stories for a scrapbook. A scrapbook? Yeah. What a scrapbook. World? I know. Like your hate book or something? Yeah. 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 Her, like burn her burn book. book and her burn <laughs> book. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yep. the reference I was looking mm-hmm. for. And she had a very strange, kind of lighthearted, cheeky attitude about all of it. And the clerk would say that she would say things like, oh, we're the criminals in room 210. Continue to incriminate yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. My God. Look more and more guilty, why don't we? Yep. Like, if you're going to potentially commit a murder, why on earth would you go around yeah. telling all these people? Like, she thought it was a joke, kind of. Yeah. Maybe she was that confident. That yeah, that, they... that she didn't. Or yep. alternatively, she didn't know that, and she actually she was is innocent. Being murdered, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, they think we're the criminals, but jokes on them. We didn't actually do anything." Because maybe in I'd her mind, she really thought that sweating, not joking. If oh. they thought I was the criminal, same. I would be very. I definitely wouldn't be flippantly talking to no. it to random people. No, it's very strange. So jumping back to the twenty eighth, a lot happened that day. After the stylers were interrogated, a town of basalt facilities manager was doing a routine check of the bear-proof trash bins in town. And it was illegal to dump personal trash in the downtown trash bins. So this worker had been checking to see if there was any illegal trash disposed. And that's when he came across something very strange in one of the bins just behind the Aspinall Lodge where the stylers are staying. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, it was a prescription pill bottle with Nancy Fister's name on it. In that trash can. Of course. Then in a large trash bag contained even more of her personal belongings. And then when the worker dug a little bit deeper, he found a small white bag with a bloody hammer inside. (gasps) And And then he throws it out. They or someone throws it out. That would freak me out. Yeah. I was going through a trash bag and there was a bloody hammer in there. No way. I know. I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. Hammer, blood, don't don't go together. Yeah. Then. Well, no. I guess unless you like hammered a yourself. nail into your thumb or something. I've done that a few <laughs> times. Yeah. So that, but that's the one pill way. Bottles. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. obviously he's seeing Nancy Fister's name and he's like yeah. connecting the dots. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, oh. She's been murdered. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did I just find the murder weapon? Murder. Yeah. 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 So after discovering all this, he immediately calls the cops. The police found more items inside the bag, like paperwork with the styler's names on it, a receipt for an Aspen PO box with Trey's name on it, and the vehicle registration for the styler's jaguar which yeah what if you're disposing of a murder weapon why put something with your name on it yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. but here's something to throw a wrench in our thinking okay what if someone planted this evidence trying to blame the stylers it feels a little too obvious and who could that person possibly be so it goes back yeah exactly so maybe josh Mm -hmm. had some reason yeah Mm -hmm. it's true i mean the stylers are not dumb people like 
from an intelligent yes you know, right. point he's of a view. He's a doctor. Mm -hmm. Like these guys are not just like dummy criminals that yeah. are running around making dumb mistakes. And like these guys are really smart. Why on earth would they go and dump? You know, if they did do the murder, why would they then go dump a bunch of their own personal paperwork along with it in the same trash can? Right, it makes no sense. Feel too obvious. Mm -hmm. I guess you with could say like. Bottle, like they were rushed or something and they forgot it was in there and they just threw it all in there. But it's like, really? Yeah. Like, Here. obviously, whoever put the hammer in the trash can did it strategically thinking, well, nobody will ever check the trash. This public trash can, you know, some random guy that yeah. just throws yeah. it out. Like, what's the chances that they're going to actually search through it? Again, though. But maybe they did know theory, that. Yeah. And they definitely could have. Yeah. This is the trash yeah, this there. is a little confusing one. I know it certainly is. So the police went and searched the Styler's Jaguar and they found even more evidence. There was actually red-brown stains in the driver's side front and back seats and also cleaning supplies in the trunk. Three days later, the police even found the missing key to Nancy Fister's closet sitting a few yards away from the Styler's motel room. Wow. That day, lab results came back and confirmed that the blood on the hammer indeed belonged to Nancy Fister. So again, could be planted evidence there or... Yeah. This is just like open criminals, and shut. Yeah. yeah. Criminals just like lost control mm -hmm. of the situation. We're, we're not thinking through any of their actions and we're just messy after, which in my mind seems kind of unlikely considering who we're dealing with here. But Nancy and Trey were arrested on March 3rd and they were both charged with first degree murder of Nancy Fister. But there's another twist. 11 days later on March 14th, Kathy Carpenter was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. The police said that Kathy's statements to them were inconsistent, and she also had a motive, given their rocky relationship. And probably some of the things that Nancy Styler told uh -huh. police yeah. as well. So yeah. police are connecting the dots here. They're like, okay, there's more than one person involved here based on the evidence we're finding and based on the statements that they're collecting. So Kathy told the Aspen Sheriff Joe DeSalvo that she'd seen the Stylers at Nancy Fister's home on February 26. But later she told the Pitkin County Sheriff's Office investigator Brad Gibson that she hadn't seen them there that day. Anytime there is inconsistencies in someone's story, I'm mm -hmm. just instantly like they're involved. They're <laughs> guilty because yeah. to mess that up that many times. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just have zero yeah, because uh, it, it is a little like you think that these things would just get concrete in your brain once something traumatic happens. Yeah. Um. So when someone's story does start changing, the only reasonable explanation feels like, well, they're lying and they can't remember their lies. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. Yep. And that's we see that over and yeah. over and over. Not to mention her behavior. Yeah, it was real bizarre. If you watch the interrogation footage, which it's all like copyright, so we couldn't put any of it in, but you, it's out there. You can look at it. It's very interesting. There's this one point where she is like, well, looks like she's hysterically crying, losing her shit. But then it turns out that actually she was fake crying during it and there was no tears on her mm -hmm. face so yeah like the police were like odd. this is fake Let's yeah so like how do you know she wasn't doing that during, during the, the call exactly call. yeah right and also this is kind of bizarre um she was talking at one point about the location of nancy's injuries and how they were on her forehead but it turns out the way she was describing it was like spot on exactly where the injuries were found in the autopsy so how did she know exactly like where these injuries were if she just like basically opened the door, found this 
person dead with the sheet over her head runs out like it's not like she was in there poking around or anything and somehow she knew exactly where those mm-hmm. injuries were which didn't she deny that or she tried to walk that back at one point no she said that there was this one part where they um believed that she was saying it there's blood all over her um forehead on the 911 call but mm-hmm. she was like no i said headboard and they go back do some research and it was technically headboard so she, you oh, know okay. it wasn't anything okay wrong still there. she's looking yeah she's looking pretty suspicious to me i know i know it's hard so kathy's mother also told one of the cbi agents that kathy said she'd seen nancy's body wrapped in a sheet but when kathy was interviewed by that same cbi agent she didn't mention anything about this but then there's this turns out the day after she found nancy dead Kathy went to Nancy's safety deposit box and emptied it out, pocketing $6,000 in cash and also two family rings. It's like, why? I know. Now she just looks uh, so guilty because who does that when their best friend just died? Why is that a priority for you? Makes yeah. Right after this, yeah. right? Shouldn't you be grieving and yeah. just like Shouldn't trying to... going there make you feel sick? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She ended up using some of this money to buy her son a plane ticket home and pay his college tuition. And Kathy tried to cover this up and hide it from police. She told them that she was planning on giving the rings to Juliana, who is Nancy's Mm -hmm. daughter. But it's never been confirmed that she actually gave them to her. And in her interview, she's been very much like, they're trying to paint me as a thief. I'm not a thief. That wasn't my intention. So... She makes it sound like she's just trying to be a good friend and yeah. that's what Nancy want would want her to do, I guess. And it's so hard when listening to her, to her daughter. She sounds she sounds so genuine and authentic to me, but of course you can't. You her can't actions judge that. speak way different I know. than what yeah. I know. Then there's the issue of the nine one one call. Kathy says that she didn't move the body or touch anything. But how would she have known that Nancy was dead under those sheets unless she checked? Could she have assumed that the sheets were just a pile of laundry? Kathy told the 911 operator, she's dead, full of blood, wrapped in a thing. But the way that Nancy was wrapped, you couldn't see any blood. So mm-hmm. how did she know that Nancy was, you it know, was her in, under the first place, yeah. in the first place? Oh, this is getting worse and worse. I know. I know. Kind of seems like maybe she was a part of it. And yeah. was there prior or yeah. even wrapped Nancy in the plot, yeah. you know the sheet and bags and if she had felt nancy's body wouldn't she have uncovered it to see if nancy was okay instead of just assuming she was dead right kathy said that the plastic bag over nancy's head was almost translucent and she could see blood and hair under it so she just assumed it was nancy but investigators say that the bed sheet had been completely covering nancy's head and the bag Mm-hmm. But the case took a dramatic turn on june 16th 2014 just before trey's first court hearing Trey Styler confessed to the murder of Nancy Pfister. This was part of a plea deal in which he pled guilty to second-degree murder in exchange for the release of both Kathy and his wife, Nancy. Oh, this is suspicious. Oh, wow. Nah, this yeah. doesn't make sense. Sounds like he's falling on his sword here for them. Yep. I mean, and at first he was like hardcore saying he didn't do it. He was saying he's disabled, that he can... He was literally in the interrogation footage, which unfortunately we can't show. It's quite interesting. He's like gets on the ground and is like trying to climb back on the chair and like Mm. showing which could have all been real he did have health issues he was older um but it seemed like he was really trying to make it clear that there's no way i could have done something like this but then he flips which 
threw a huge wrench into investigators case because they were they were looking at this as a conspiracy between all three, three of, them. of them that's why all three mm-hmm. of them were charged they were going to bring them all down together because they felt like they had enough evidence to go that route until trey all of a sudden flips the script on them and yeah. is like you can't they weren't really... involved it was all me what are you supposed to do it's yeah. like right. okay i guess it was you like yeah. how do you yeah. How well, do you believe anybody else at that point? Right. Well, now it's it's hard because now as the DA, you got to decide. I've got this slam dunk case right here. This guy's pleading guilty to murder for Nancy, like of you know murdering Nancy. So let's just I have to go this way and let these other yeah. two go. Yeah. But was that the right move ultimately? Trey told investigators that he didn't know what happened. He said he just lost his rational mind and he just done it. So. Kind of the way the events happen, according to him, is that early in the morning on Monday the 24th, while his wife was sleeping, he secretly slipped out of their motel room and drove over to Nancy Fister's house at 1833 West Buttermilk Drive. Trey claimed he originally came over to the house to confront Nancy. He said he ended up walking into the house, making his way to the bedroom, and opening the door a crack. He poked his head in and called her name, but she didn't respond because obviously she was sleeping. She had eye mask on, earplugs in. He just said that when he saw Nancy just peacefully sleeping there, he just completely lost his shit. Like he just was like, this woman has made her lives hell and something just flipped in him. And at that point, he went down to the garage. He grabbed a garbage bag, a hammer and an extension cord. And then he walked back up to the bedroom where Nancy was still sound asleep. And he said he felt all the anger and rage that had built up in him since his life fell apart. It seems too scripted. It seems mm-hmm. so just like they. he went home and he's like, okay, what am I going to say to the police? Yeah. This is what I'm going to say. Yeah. A, B, C, D. That's what happened. And yeah, I don't know. I think at that's, the same time, is it possible? It, that's yeah. what I was uh, just yeah. Is there a world where his wife is so bitter that he does go do this? And he, I mean, he yeah. was bitter too. He was yeah. pissed. Like he's like, okay, Between I'll the just go them, do this. They, were, he, she, they felt like she True. was ruining their life. Yeah. They're probably yeah. sitting there every night talking about it. They're already down on their luck. Yeah. He's I, already not feeling well. I guess I just don't know too how, like, how sick was he? He was, he, he was pretty sick. Could he walk around? Could he swing a hammer at, like, full strength? Like, how? Definitely. He well, definitely could. That's the big okay. question. He could walk around, but okay. there's been a lot of questioning of, could he do it with could such Could he move force, a body move the to hammer. the closet? A body's, a dead body's yeah. are, I mean, I don't dead know weight, experience. Yeah. Totally yeah. I'm just saying that <laughs> yeah. they're hard to move. No. Totally. Yeah. So that's that's been a big question mm. here is could he have actually physically done, done this? Interesting. Which there's no really way to determine yeah. 100% either way. But is it really possible that he could have just gotten so caught up in the anger in the moment that everything came rushing back at once? You know, his health, losing his job, losing his life savings, selling his house, leaving his old life behind, trying to start over and instead being tormented and evicted by a woman who's lying in front of him sleeping soundly peacefully with her earbuds in and no. she's right there could he have gotten angry enough that he actually grabbed that hammer and hit nancy in the face hmm. super hard too convenient here's yep. why he she's- said he's going over to her house to confront her so if you go over to her house you're going to go up to the door but who's just going to let themselves into the house at that point and in the middle of the night right like who's just going right. to go no, that's right such in. a good point. So to me, 
it's showing that there's premeditation there. Exactly. Because he slips out of the motel uh, room according to his plan, which means he probably had the thought in his head at the motel room prior to going over there. This was not just like, oh, I'm going to go over there and maybe she's up and she wants to chat yeah, and talk and we'll, we'll work through this, whatever the issue is. Yeah. No, he went over there full well knowing that she likely would be yeah. asleep and he ha- he would be able to gain access to her house and, and to her room. Mm-hmm. And the question is, was it just him or did others help him with this? Because yeah. and the whole time, isn't that sign still on the door that says like Nancy or uh, <laughs> yeah, that says Nancy sleeping. Don't bug me or whatever it said. Yeah. That Kathy put on the door. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Weird. So who sees that and is like, well, I'm going to let myself yeah. in anyway. Go yeah. in. Who cares if she's sleeping? Yeah. Oh, I need to confront her so That's bad. That's creepy either yeah. way you look yeah. at it. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. doing? What's the what's your purpose for being there at that point? So how this all goes down, according to him, he says that she after he hits her the first time, she starts to make a noise like she was still alive. So he hits her again and then Nancy stops moving, but she was still breathing. So he strikes her again. And at this point, he had killed Nancy Fister. Then Trey placed the garbage bag over her head to contain the blood. He placed her on top of the bed sheet, wrapped her up in it tied her up with the extension cord, then dragged her across 12 feet of carpet into the walk-in closet. That's and this a is a, a very old man who, again, has yep. health issues. Is this possible for him to do alone? Trey tidied up the scene, grabbed some of Nancy's stuff, including her pill bottles, phone, pearls, and her cigarettes, which is a really strange thing mm-hmm. to grab. And he wanted to make it look like Nancy had gone somewhere. So I guess maybe she, yeah, probably would have taken yeah. her cigarettes, but... I still think that's kind of a strange move. He also flipped the mattress to cover up the pool of blood, which is like, what was the thinking behind that? Like, yeah. they're just like, oh, let's, we'll just leave that there. That, you know, like, yeah. obviously they're going to find it anyway. It's so strange. The entire murder and cleanup lasted about 45 minutes, according to Trey. After this, Trey drove back to the Aspinall Lodge with a bag full of Nancy's stuff and the bloody hammer in the trunk. He said he returned to find his wife awake, Wondering what took him so long to go and run errands, which again, you just said he snuck out in the middle of the night. Where's it's, it's where's not she adding errands? up here? Yeah, that's just yeah. true, actually. And so he was telling them that you know he was going out to rent storage units or something, and that's why it took him so long. And apparently, that explanation worked for his wife. So, like, even like the explaining the, yeah. the situation yeah. with his wife makes absolutely yeah. no sense whatsoever. Right. Trey then said he forgot about the bag in the trunk for two days. And when he heard on the 26th that there were squad cars outside of Nancy's home, it triggered his memory, and that's when he threw out the bag in that basalt trash bin. He said that he committed the crime alone, and neither his wife, Nancy, nor Kathy had anything to do with it. He said that neither of them knew he was going to commit the murder or that he'd done it at all, let alone killed Nancy and then cleaned up the crime scene totally by himself. Again, we're talking like 45 minutes here. That's not a lot of time to do all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Red flag to also emphasize. I did it by myself. No one else was involved. Like it was just me. Just sounds like you're like trying to exclude others from this. Yeah, exactly. So this is interesting stuff. So let's watch a little bit of the confession here. I stirred my first blow in the back of the room. That was what was available. I heard. And with two front ones, I don't know what I'm talking about. That would preclude any consciousness. I forgot he was a doctor. Yeah. So he was explaining in terms of, I know exactly where to hit her. Right. So 
Wow. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. He does seem frail. Yeah. Oh, he he certainly is. And actually, can we just pull up for Garrett and Peyton the original well, footage of him? I know we can't put it in the episode for all of you guys, but I'd like for you guys to see him in the initial interrogation. So you can see oh. how frail he actually is. He's or old. possibly could have been playing it up a little bit, but no here, way. Right. So but, this is after is he he's initially up? arrested too. Of course, it could be a defense tactic, right, too. Right. And, we and saw that with the Golden State Killer mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. he went to trial. But yeah, no, that's, that's moving true. Moving a whole body. There's even more footage than that, too. There, I mean, like I said, there's footage of him literally on the ground, like trying to climb up onto the chair. And he's it like, looks a I'm, little... he literally says, I'm fucking disabled. But again, like, how yeah. can what? you truly know if it was played up or not or if that's actually how he was? But given his age and his health, like it could he just Line looks up. like his arms like he just yeah, looks frail he looks yeah frail could he have committed mm. this murder and then moved her body i don't know by oh herself. man that changes everything i know i know that's why i feel like it's so crucial to see him and when they first took him in actually um the arresting officers said that he was so frail they they had to carry him yeah basically out of the hotel room like yeah he was in bed yeah he yeah. was he was in bed and they made note that he looked very, very frail, very sick. And would someone who has been talking about taking their life for a long time and to multiple people be willing to take the fall for his wife if if he doesn't really care much about his life anyway? Oh, yeah. That was exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. When Trey initially gave his confession, investigators actually didn't believe it. Because again, like we just saw, he could barely stand up or walk on his own. So how could this frail man tie up and bludgeon a woman to death, wrap up her body, then flip the mattress, and then place the body into the closet, then clean up the scene all by himself in this short window of around 45 minutes? Seems very, I mean, it seems very unlikely, right? Mm -hmm. The Pickens County Sheriff's Office investigator Brad Gibson thought it wasn't likely that one person could have been involved in moving and wrapping the body. He said that it would be hard for four grown men to move a body. And one person dragging a body for even a very short distance would be extremely difficult, let alone 12, it being Trey. Yeah. yeah. This is interesting, and we'll kind of circle back to this in a minute, but Nancy claims that once she was released from jail that she got a letter from Trey, and part of it said, quote, I know you're innocent, and you should believe that I am too, and that the only reason he was pleading guilty was to save Nancy from going to prison. Well, there you go. But let's hear about what Nancy has to say about her involvement, though. Did you kill Nancy Fister? Nothing to do with it. You had nothing to do with the murder whatsoever. Nothing. You weren't there in the moments after she was killed. It's 20 miles away. You weren't there to help clean up the scene or to move the body. No, and I would have done a better job. Mm. The job that was done was not a thinking mind. What, what do you think of that? What in the world? Yeah. Although it's weird. If you look closely, her chin is like quivering like crazy yeah. when she's I would have done a better job. Who says yeah. that? I know. That's weird. Or unless she's really trying to sell the story. Yeah. 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 And, you know, going back to her lip quivering, Janelle, I mean, from the other, to play devil's advocate, obviously, if you're being questioned about if you murdered someone, wouldn't sure. she get a little nervous? But it isn't. It's weird. It certainly is weird. Yeah. How, when was this interview that we're watching? 
Oh, this one was done way later. Yeah. Way yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I would think if she's going around town joking about it, mm-hmm. that talking about it on an interview and saying, no, it wasn't me, wouldn't make her lip quiver. That's a great point. Right. Oh, that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, either, no matter when it was, that's a right. good point. Because right after she was going around joking about like it, saying, like, so oh, were the people who killed her, you know. Oh, that's so true. Did you notice, too, like, Right when he finished asking the question, she almost looks like she's about to be like, nod her head yes. And yes, then she's and like, she, she like switches it. She's yeah. like, yep. And I'm like, mm. yeah. Just, she just looks very A guilty. A sign to of me. someone faking mannerisms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, I need mm-hmm. to, I need to act like I'm, oh, wait, no, I'm not, I'm not supposed to yeah. be nodding yeah. right yep. now. Make and sure I think her strategy right is to, to come across like that, like, yeah, aggressive and be, and continue. She's like, well, it's worked so, so far, far. So I'm going to keep it up. Yeah. And just stick by my guns and probably thinking like if I change up my my yeah. approach or my method, you know, it might make me look more guilty. So I'm just going to keep going hard and be like, just because I hate her doesn't mean that I would kill her. Yeah. And she's just keeping that that whole act going. But right. So obviously the big question here is, could Trey have done this alone? He was so weak when he was arrested that police, like we said, had to carry him out of the motel room. It seems next to impossible that Trey moved Nancy's body alone. Or did his wife help kill Nancy Fister? Was she an accessory after the fact? Or did she actually have nothing to do with it? Obviously, that's a possibility as well. And then what about Kathy? Why did she clean out Nancy Fister's safety deposit box? She claims that she was just grabbing a ring to save for Juliana, something that Kathy claims Nancy told her to do if for some reason anything were to happen to her, which is also kind of strange too. Like We have no way of knowing that that's true. Kathy claims that she was just doing what Nancy wanted her to do, but Juliana hasn't spoken to Kathy since the murder. Of so course. that tells oh. you quite a bit as well. Yeah. She never confirmed Kathy's story. There's also another interesting detail about this case. Mm. On the morning of February 24th, Nancy Styler's cell phone pinged from the Snowmass area near Nancy Fister's home. And she just said that she was 20 miles away. Mm. Yes. No. There's no way. So that's 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 a big bombshell right there. Yeah. Trey said that his phone was out of batteries, so he took his wife's instead, which seems... Why would you yeah. even risk that? When I was mm-hmm. tiptoeing to get up yeah. to sneak yeah. out, I tipped over to her side and yeah. I grabbed her cell phone. <laughs> well, yeah. why would you want to like, yeah. possibly incriminate your wife yeah. that way? By bringing her cell phone right. to the, the murder, you know, the crime scene. So, And then Nancy Styler has a different version of events. She claims that her husband took her phone so that it wouldn't wake her. Mm, okay. Solid, mm. solid reasoning. They're doing great. Yeah, they should have talked. But why? Why they take a, why was a phone so crucial That's the to other this? Thing. Yeah. Like, Who are they calling? And she can't call, he can't call her. So yeah. she has... You know, he has Why her phone. That's so. true. Does that Kathy is, yeah. get okay. a call? What okay, is the okay. purpose mm. here? And the whole thing about not waking her, I mean, just silence the phone or turn it off. It's just super weird. But it turns out both Trey and Nancy Styler's phone had pinged from that area. Both of them. Oh. But Nancy so Styler says she has an alibi. Though? Why would both phones ping in that case? Yeah. Why would one person need two phones to bring to the scene? Exactly. Unless one of both people were there. Do they not did they not get the phone records to see so did she call anyone? I guess or I'm saying she is she did it. Was yes. the phone used to call anybody during that yeah. time? We'll get to that in a okay, second. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. But Nancy Styler says that she had an alibi. 
When she woke up that morning, Trey was gone. She didn't know where he was. She also noticed that her phone was missing. So she dug into her purse for her iPhone 3, an old business phone that she and Trey sometimes used. At 10.58 a.m., she called her phone to try and find it. There was no answer. And at 11.26 a.m., she called Trey and there was no answer. A minute later, she called her phone again and there was no answer. Two minutes later, Nancy called Nancy Fister's handyman, but again got no answer. Each of these calls pinged from the basalt area. Does this exonerate Nancy Styler or no? I don't really think so necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. On June 20th, 2014, a judge sentenced Trey Styler to 20 years in wow. prison for second degree murder of Nancy Fister. Given his health, obviously this is essentially a life imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Prosecutors were considering charging Kathy Carpenter with theft, but these charges were never filed. Rumors have spread that the police and prosecutor's office accepted the confession and plea deal in order to avoid the scandal and cost of a trial. And get this, remember the little letter that he wrote to um, uh, Nancy when she got out of jail? Well, he ended up calling her and telling her that he actually lied in part of the letter and that, in fact, he did kill Nancy Fister on his own and that Kathy had nothing to do with it. And Nancy was completely shocked and said that this flipped her world upside down and then described him as a monster. So she like totally mm -hmm. has gone against him since. Weird. Yeah, which is that is that to confirm the story more and make right. it more believable? Yeah. Um, but it's, if he's really taking the fall for her, that's pretty cold. Yeah. yeah. But maybe he wanted her to do that. Right. And obviously after Nancy's death, people, you know, who knew her gathered at none other than Hotel Jerome to celebrate her life, share stories and mourn her death. So a lot of people still really loved her and, you mm -hmm. know, missed her. And she was that kind of well-known socialite in town. And so, you know, to this day, Kathy says that she is so upset that she was not able to be there because she was in jail at the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, too, that Nancy Styler says, well, there was not a single person that said one nice word about her. It's yeah. like, it's not true. The it's memorial not true. service is clearly proof that that wasn't true. And, you know, lots of people had wonderful things. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Had issues with yeah. People, yeah. But there's no denying that. But yeah. Be like, everyone just absolutely hated her. Nobody had one nice thing to say about her. Yeah. It's definitely not the case. I mean, many people liked Nancy, loved Nancy, and she had tons of friends. Yeah. She was friends with everyone. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. She knew how to have a good time, that's for sure. Yeah. So I'm sure people had tons yeah. of good memories with Seriously. Nancy, man. Like memorable ones for uh -huh. sure. Yeah. She certainly did not deserve to be murdered in such a brutal fucking Absolutely way. Absolutely not. After Trey confessed to the murder, Nancy Styler filed for divorce soon after. She also went back to her maiden name, Masson, and moved to Massachusetts. Trey Styler was incarcerated at the Arrowhead Correctional Facility in Canyon City, Colorado. On August 6, 2015, though, he was found dead in his cell from an apparent suicide. So after all that, wow. he finally did it. Okay. According to some reports, Trey had this swallowed pieces of a broken pen and choked. Others say he Yikes. hung himself with a bed sheet. I know. Okay. Brutal either way. Yeah. yeah. But the big caveat to this is that Nancy Styler was paid out that $1 million from the life insurance policy. How is she so, still in the policy? That's crazy. I guess, I guess yeah, because after, it was done before all of it, it just yeah, still in effect. Yeah. Wow. He takes the fall and then follows through to get her her money. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Or did he take or the did fall? He, or, or did, did he? Or did he? Maybe I, maybe did I shouldn't it. say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like we, 
no one will ever know yeah it's what just, truly happened it's just hard too because how the cop or the detective said that it would take maybe four four grown, grown men. men yeah mm-hmm. like could nancy and kathy have even done it together could all yeah. three of them have even done it together right could they have even moved the body like it's all so just i know it's very confusing. everywhere yeah. either way, in my opinion no sorry you go ahead Oh, I was going to say, either way, definitely took longer than 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. Yes. Oh, for uh-huh. sure. That I think we can all agree on. I do think it's a little strange that they said it would have taken four grown men. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily I don't know if that's the true case. Or not. That seems a bit exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is that Juliana, Nancy's daughter, never spoke to Kathy after her mother's murder. I think that says a lot. And what's crazy is that Kathy Carpenter passed away suddenly this past January in Evergreen, Colorado. Very so recently. she's no longer. Wow. alive and maybe took a lot of secrets yeah. to, to the grave with her possibly possibly nancy styler now likely works as an esthetician in massachusetts she knows many people still believe she is a murderer but others are starting to come around to her she believes that her husband killed nancy fister and although she openly admits she hated nancy fister she said that she didn't deserve to die that's not what she was saying earlier yeah, yeah. that's that a way. big change there she also believes that Nancy Fister's behavior was a precipitating factor in the murder, though. She said her, she's like, oh, it kind of almost insinuates like she kind of got what was coming to her in yeah. a way. Nancy Styler also co-wrote the book Guilt by Matrimony, a memoir of love, madness, and the murder of Nancy Fister. So now she's profiting, profiting. off of this, yeah. which was published in 2015. Nancy Fister's family, as well as Kathy Carpenter, tried to stop the book's release. And apparently it's a really bad and kind of creepy book based on uh, what we found during our research and reviews. Mm. Julia, you actually read the book, right? Yeah, I read like most of it. And it's just it's weird the way that when you consider that she's probably Nancy Styler's not writing this all by herself. Like there's a a, a writer who's a co-author. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's still weird the way that she's described in the book. It's like with her, you know, her usual cheer and she's always Trey's cheerleader and it's just mm-hmm. so overly negative talking about Nancy Fister and so just like effusive praise for for Nancy Styler and a lot of I think excuses made mm. for Trey. I just thought it was just kind of creepy and you know this is your husband killed this woman yeah like, and you're writing a book just so distasteful like you are not in jail right now you're not going to be prosecuted you got a million dollars i mean you know it's why would you then just go and write a book yeah disparaging this woman like what yeah good does that do yeah i agree that's that's extremely strange there's also this really weird claim in it um it says that trey thought bludgeoning nancy to death with a hammer was quote the nicest thing anyone ever did for nancy Fister. What the fuck in the world? That is crazy. Dude, that's nuts. Why even put that in there? Yeah. What's what's the benefit of that? Why is she so bitter? Like I so so bitter. It's yeah. Could she have convinced Trey to kill kill Nancy? That's what I was saying. Is Is there a world where she was back at the hotel because she convinced Trey to do it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or not the hotel, the the home apartment. Yeah. How yeah. fucked up if that's really the case that he and maybe you know, she they were evaluating the their situation and, and they're like, well, is... your your health's going downhill. You're yeah. maybe he's going to die. Yeah. And so she's like, here's the plan. Why don't we kill her? 
Ugh. and then you take the fall for it crazy and then kill yourself and i'll you know give yeah. me the money and i'll go live my life i guess i mean that's a very like cruel plan and, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah but i'm just speculating it's possible like, yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. a possible situation Certainly. that could have played out but uh juliana nancy's daughter filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Nancy Styler in 2016. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this lawsuit alleged that Trey fabricated his confession so Nancy could get that insurance payout. It also said that Nancy Styler profited off murder through her book. And the suit was settled out of court and those details are confidential. But we actually do have a clip of Juliana talking about her mom, which we'll play right now. I have no idea how someone could do something like that. And especially to her. And I think that You know, my mom could never hurt anything or hurt anyone. And that is one thing that everyone that knew her knew. We talk about this a lot on our podcast about how there's always more than one victim in these stories. And that typically the victim's families are also just so heavily victimized and impacted. Impacted. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so heartbreaking every time you get yeah. to the end of these and you hear the families talk about their loved one. Yeah, I mean, for them, it just, it never stops. No. It's every single day for the rest of their lives that they have to wake up and face reality and think about what happened to them. It's one thing if your loved one dies of a heart attack or yeah. something tragic like a car accident. Obviously, it's extremely painful. But to think about such a brutal yep. killing that someone took their life, like the anger that you have to deal yeah. with and process, all that trauma just takes such a toll yeah. on people. It completely changes your life. Yeah, it really does. So sad. What's also interesting and important to note is that Suzanne, Nancy Fister's sister, applied for a permanent restraining orders against Nancy Styler and Kathy Carpenter. And she believes that her sister was murdered by more than one person. Mm-hmm. So ultimately Nancy Fister was cremated and her daughter successfully campaigned to have her added to the in memory of friends in Aspen shrine to notable Aspen residents in Snowmass village. But oh, I came in. Ma- I mean, that's just, that's yeah. a really hard thing to deal with. And mm-hmm. especially knowing, you know, the family clearly, knows in their hearts that the, there's one you know two people got yeah. off the hook for yeah. this mm-hmm. so like maybe I, maybe but i or mean one person or i don't know i don't know i think it's pretty yeah. i think there's a lot of evidence to suggest there was a lot more what do you guys think all in all like, i think that i mean first of all poor nancy i mean that's I horrible know. it doesn't she, she got murdered and that's horrible she didn't do anything wrong Mm-mm. and I think after, I think in the beginning, I would have been like, there's no way Kathy was involved. But I think after hearing all the evidence, especially moving a body that's like so big for me, like, I just think there is no way he could have done that alone. I just, yeah, I feel like there's no way. I don't know what you think. I think that she was definitely there. I don't think that one person did it by themselves. Um, About Kathy, though. Right. That's the hard part. I don't know. I I want to say no because I just I don't think the motive was strong enough. Do I think that there was motive? Maybe. Um, I don't. I don't think she was involved. That's the hard part. Really, Kathy. Okay. I mean, there's it's there's hard. some things, but it's like, did she actually? Could she have had it in her to do this to yeah. someone who did? She did consider a friend. Yeah. yeah. But and they then, had a very tumultuous relationship. They did, like, but like enough for her 
I don't know. It's hard. And, and again, I'm going off of the 911 call. I'm going yeah. off of other interviews that I've seen of her where she just seems so fucking torn up. About but is that this. regret? Is that guilt? It could be. It could That's, be. That is coming it's out. Possible. That's what happens a lot of times. And, like people. But, but Josh, what does she gain? What did she gain by her best friend being murdered? $6,000 that she paid her son's college tuition with. I don't know. Okay. I mean, yeah. Or did just she saying. just take it? Was she just a bad friend taking advantage of the situation. her friend's death? Yeah. Would she have done it for that? Like thinking in her mind, oh, if she's dead, I can go to the safety deposit box. Like that seems like. Yeah. Or is she just in pure trauma mode that she's like, I got to go get that safety deposit box. I got to get the ring. Okay. Here's or, the money. Or did, she, did she secretly just envy and hate her that much that. She could have. She just was like, I'm done. There there could have I mean, been that's but what did we learn from uh Bernie Tita? Is that even the most like people who we feel are the most trustworthy and friend friendly and no, so good hearted people yeah. 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 Put in a, the right or the wrong situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And those feelings are overwhelming yeah. to the point where you're willing to yeah. risk it all so to speak to yeah i was kind of telling you guys about that case earlier yeah. the one that um jack black is in the movie we just covered it you guys were supposed to be here but he was so loved by his community and like and thought of to be like the nicest he was like leading ever. church services yes, and like he was, he was like, singing the, in the choir and like helping all these grieving widows and he was giving this friend tons of to money this away. woman yeah. but she was like abusive to him and controlling and not in not in classic abusive ways but like manipulative like Mm -hmm. just control till the point where he just snapped and lost it and so like if if bernie could do it Uh i think kathy could she just meet two people who wanted to do it and they had spent so long while nancy was in australia talking about her and getting their friends hurt and it's true i mean true because she faked cried in her interview right didn't they figure Mm -hmm. out like that's just i mean yeah that's weird she i mean she was real crying in the like maybe I don't TV know. It didn't interviews. look like it to me. Did you get eye drops? She looks like it to me, but oh, it's <laughs> hard. I was just like oh, instantly start feeling bad for people, but maybe yeah. I'm just like too. I don't know. I think it was a group effort between the three of them. I kind of think I think yeah. I think in, I'm in really? the same boat. In order to I pull, in, in order to pull this off in the in the way they the did. way that they did in as fast of the time that they did without people seeing them, without having all these witnesses and everything, yeah. there had to be a multi. Uh, coordinated effort there from Kathy potentially letting him know, hey, Nancy's going to bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The door's going to be open. But it's also There's- nighttime and they have a key and she, they figure she's going to be asleep. Like, I don't know. And and don't know. Um, why then does Kathy turn on them so fast as soon as the 911 call is placed? Yeah. If it's a coordinated uh, effort between the three of them, was it always planned for her to throw them under the bus? Or was this yeah. like really all an elaborate plan for him to take the fall right i don't know like how long how long do you have to plan something like this too right this is a pretty elaborate thing if it really was all three of them at the same time possibly but all like a shitty job if they actually did putting all the trash in the yeah you know because it feels like if Uh, kathy's involved she flipped heavily on them started planning evidence yeah could Maybe have. not planning some of the evidence. Or no one planted that evidence and he just didn't think it through and threw yeah. it out where yeah. he lives. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't maybe he didn't think anyone's gonna go mm. through the trash can. They didn't yeah. know about like the bear, you know, that yeah. they go through and make sure there's not these illegal trash being put right. in there. And maybe it was just a, a fuck up. I 
ah man, I'm surprised there was no DNA evidence in the. So there, wa there was, oh, there was, okay. there was DNA evidence that was found on. Yeah. Uh, Trey's blood was found, but that's it. Or Trey's but DNA. No one, no one no else. DNA from anyone else. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, as far as we know. But there was also cleaning that went on too. Yes, that's know, true. There was yeah, there was. So cleaning. he had cleaning supplies. So, but you'd think you'd find something. Yeah, if other a piece of hair, strand of hair, or something. Well, maybe. especially women too. Can I mean, that, their hair yeah. is always coming out. Is so. it possible he really did this himself too? <laughs> he could have that. You know, rage and adrenaline can give you superpowers even people yeah. who are older like him it's yeah. true so in my opinion i think it's possible he really did it but okay i feel like well first of all you two do you guys have any additional thoughts janelle and julia here i was gonna say i think there's a lot of documents that are still sealed yeah in this case there so are there might be more evidence to some answered questions there might be more questions that's interesting you bring that up though because Remember, the investigators were looking at this as a conspiracy to commit murder between all three of them. Yeah, and so they and they were formally charged. So, I, I just think that there there's more that we don't know about that would have potentially. And there's there's other interviews with people involved with this case who have said that had Trey not confessed, they believe all three of them would have went down. That they would have had the evidence yeah. needed to bring them all down. Yeah, That's there's crazy. investigators that feel pretty solid about that. Do it's you gone. think, Janelle, do you think they had motive, though, to kill Nancy? Like, was there a good motive here to do it? Or was this kind of like an emotional I mean, response? Personally, I think if, they're, if they say their motive was because she was treating them like shit, okay, well, too fucking bad. Like, mm -hmm. you get bad, you know, quote unquote, landlords all the time. You don't go off and kill them. You just had a bad landlord. <laughs> yeah. And I have no interest in hurting her. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think that there really is not, I, I guess the motive would be that they're pissed off because she was treating them like shit. She's off in Australia. Meanwhile, their stove doesn't work and blah, blah. And maybe Kathy's putting little bugs in their ear. I don't, I'm not really sure on the Kathy thing. That's like probably the thing I'm tripped up about the most is like, I d for sure don't think that Trey did it alone. I think that Nancy had some part in it. Was she there? with the hammer that night i'm not sure did she come after i don't i don't know it's the whole thing with nancy though i really i cannot i know like really form a solid opinion on whether or not she had anything to oh, do kathy? with kathy or kathy yeah, yeah sorry i can't really form a solid opinion on whether or not kathy they had evidence involved. to charge her they don't just do that without evidence yeah so. yeah but a lot of people are charged yeah true when they're all, the so, all the time all the time yeah. Well, let's let's do a little let's do a vote here since we yeah. have six people oh, no. in the building. <laughs> Just if you had to Hung choose, jury. okay? Hung jury. Hung jury. <laughs> Raise your hand if you think, or actually, I guess we're on a podcast. Say I. We'll say I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you think that Trey acted alone, is there anybody? All right. So no one thinks that. No one thinks that. Say I if you think that it was just Nancy and Trey. I. 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 So four. So that's four. Ken, Kendall, Peyton. Okay. The girls. Yeah, yeah the, the girls. girls. All the girls. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And say I, gentlemen, <laughs> if you think that all three of them conspired together. Yeah. I absolutely. I think. Absolutely. They needed some inside <laughs> intel. They needed to know what was going yep. on at Nancy's house. Yeah. It was them. The, the, the events the events like directly after her finding the body. Yeah. There's so many things. Yeah. The interrogation with her is, is very questionable. 
the fact that they they charged her it's I, hard i'm not like completely against it yeah either. i'm not either i think that way i think it's like josh said too i think it came to a point where it was like okay we have an open and shut case plead deal send them to jail move on or we can try to charge these three these three people and i mean will they get charged i mean like will yeah. it happen we don't know yeah so. the thing yeah. that bothers me so much about interrogation footage is like i've never been inter interrogated but i can only imagine how stressful it is whether you're guilty or not and it's so true. i just they did put these guys through the ringer too that's what for I'm sure saying. like they were yeah. going hard on them. the sheriff himself the, and, came in and was like yeah, right. he did and for a them. long time true. so at some point you're getting broken down they're confusing you because the way they do it is very manipulative yep. I mean, it's very much so like oh you know you did it yeah it's just a matter of time you might as well say you did it because it'll be easier for you if you just say you did it and so it's hard it's for exactly me to be like, what the suspect would say right and so it's like it's really not i don't want to say fair but for lack of a better term fair to be like mm, well based on their interrogation footage you know kathy wasn't really crying but so. what about kathy going to get the money and the rings yeah, and juliana but, filing restraining orders and like they ate that her enough? but she also said that kathy was saying how nancy specifically told her i don't know if this is true or not but she said that Nan nancy told her if something ever happens to me go get this money give it to juliana like trying to and so maybe it was like you like you were legitimate? saying peyton about like okay you're in mm. this state of shock and you're trying to yeah, you know the gears are turning on trying to figure out what to do, and so the best thing she can think of is like, "Oh right, Nancy told me to go do this, and mm -hmm. I gotta go get it done." I don't know. It's yeah. possible. You Obviously, it's possible know. she made that up too. But totally. But I agree. I don't. I don't think there's enough to say with certainty unless there's other stuff in the sealed document. Yeah, that we just don't know. Right. I have a wild theory. Okay. Lay it what on if us. the handyman was somehow involved in this? Yeah. And he completely. Where'd the hammer come Don't from? The handyman cut the. Bring it into this. You yeah. said four grown men. Yeah. Yeah. You get another. Yeah, you get another one. Oh, Maybe the handyman's involved. Oh, you For sound like Garen. Yeah. Oh my god, that's handyman's crazy. listening to this. Like, why, like, why are you throwing me under the bus? That wasn't even my hammer. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, it has been a really interesting episode having some more voices here with us yeah, to fun. kind of bounce. Yeah. It is fun. You want to come is? every week? I know. I know right? move here. Yeah. This is this just has so much more conversation and like opinions, and it's it's fun. It is. Yeah, it's it, fun to bounce ideas off each yeah. other, right, and get mm -hmm. more perspectives and in, in the I, conversation. I feel like I learned more about yeah. the case in a weird way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we love having Julie and Janelle here with us too. Yeah. Um, versus it used to in the very early days, it was just Josh and yeah. I, and it's always improved the more people we get involved. So. Well, sometimes you you like miss things, right? Or yeah. like somebody else is thinking something you you just completely forgot about, and they bring it up, and you're like, oh yeah, that's completely. like. Yep. That totally makes sense. Or, yeah. you know, they bring up something that you would never have thought about had they not been there. So exactly. I think, you know, the more minds, the the more fun. <laughs> that, was, that was corny as hell. <laughs> of course, we have all of your minds out there that we would like to pick as well. Although I hate when people say pick my brain. Ugh disgusting um but we want to pick your brain we want to hear what you think so let us know in the comments below and yeah who what what scenario do you think is most likely here you guys um but also be sure to check out our episode with peyton and garrett over at uh, murder with my husband and be sure to follow them as well these guys are awesome and have a couple of different shows like they mentioned so yeah check it out from 
for more content. If you liked this, you're probably going to like that one too. And yeah, thanks exactly. for having us. Yeah, yeah. appreciate Thank it. Thank you thanks so for being much. here, guys. It's been so Thank fun. Thank you for coming. This it was definitely been... worth going through the three times the charm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. The three trips to the airport. Hey, we're and... done. hey we still haven't imported the footage yet, though. That's yeah. so Did you hit record? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've checked literally 50 times. <laughs> oh, my God. Until this we get is done actually done. Like, oh, Sorry. Don't even say that. Yeah. Don't even be awful. Anyway, that's going to be it for us today, guys. Um, we will be back next week, of course. But until then, keep on taking your mind a, a mile, mile higher. higher.